Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the back of the bus session. Hello and welcome to the Old Farm Bus, back of the bus sessions podcast. This is the final part of the series, so sit back, enjoy, let's have a blooming good new year. See you soon, you beautiful set of buggers. Bye now. Okay, here we are with the first guest, the gym fit main man, James White. I love the way this guy thinks. He's at the gym every day with consistent levels of high energy, and he just makes me laugh all the time. Uh, we're discussing in this next clip about the powers of being a passionate dad. My dad's had loads of things. He's, yeah. I'm, I'm so much like my dad in, in I'm so many ways. I'm picking it all up now. I'm getting it. Like, <laughs> if, if I see something that's cool, yeah. I'm like... That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do that. Like, some people call it faddy. I think I'm just interested in different things. And I like learning about things. Like, if um, there's something I think is interesting, then I'll read it to death. Mm. I'll read it to death. The internet will have nothing else to offer yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I want to know everything about that thing that I'm trying to get into before I'll... And then, yeah. Channeling your addictive side, but in the right kind of yeah, channels. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, what... I'm saying it because we're, we're going to be dad soon and maybe we can get into here. <laughs> I saw you drop that. <laughs> no, no. But it's just weird, isn't the, it? We're I had an interesting conversation the other day and I was talking about things like, because I've got no ACLs anymore yeah. <laughs> and all that malarkey, but I really miss my passions and my football. I still yeah. try my boxing, but every time I turn on my back foot, it just locks out and it hurts a lot. Yeah. But I was talking a lot about my passions and how much... I miss them. Yeah. Still get to write. But that person who I was talking to is like, hey, hey, you need to stop thinking about that because you got a kid on the way no. and you need to be focusing all on this life. And it really like reflected in me. I was like, what I've always seen as the biggest mistake is when people just put all that energy into child and take it all away from self and don't do the passions mm -hmm. because what you were talking about a lot then was your dad and looking up and seeing he still had his yeah, passions yeah, on the go yeah. and it's made you the person to me you are oh, now definitely yeah, because you're like influence. i want to be good at this yeah. i want to be passionate at that i want to yeah. be interested in that yeah, and i think that's really affirmed what i was believing is like no i need to be more passionate i need to be out there doing yeah, cool stuff why can't you why can't the kid be part of your exactly passion? why can't they come along for the ride exactly me and laura have spoke um spoke about this we're obviously expecting a kid here we go dad life baby woo, woo, woo. um <laughs> and we've <coughs> we've actively spoke about making sure that we don't lose us in it yeah and that like our relationship in it and i don't want to i don't want to lose what we've got the spontaneity mm. we've yes. had, the, the interest the stuff we do together i don't want it to be like the baby is all of us yeah 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 like, it, that's part of us not all of us i think this is a really important um conversation sorry for fathers and yeah it sounds selfish fathers. in some ways but mm. i don't I, I don't think it is i think that my opinion is that the kid will be enriched by mm. by that, not neglected by that. Because there's going to be so much still love in the home. Oh god, and yeah. so much energy inside. Don't get me wrong; the the thing will be number one. Yeah, yeah. You know, above all else, if it, it's a choice between going and riding a motorbike or <laughs> looking after the kid, the yeah. kid the kid comes first or comes on the motorbike, <laughs> <laughs> whichever one it may be. Yeah, sure. But yeah, that's that's my opinion on things. I want to take them along for the ride. And it's like. We don't have to go with our 
our kids, like my Ella, I don't go like, you do this now, this is your thing. But if she can see her dad doing like the boxing still, yeah. going to football practice or pl- writing music, yeah. she can go, oh, dad, I love that you love that. Maybe I'm going to find a skill. Maybe I'm going to find something that's me. Yeah. Catch you soon, James, probably tomorrow. Okay, now we've got the lovely heartthrob, Lewis Canner. I love this guy's experience and expertise in the music scene. He's got a lot of background knowledge. And here, this podcast is packed with hilarious anecdotes. Can't wait to have you back on, brother. This is your living, isn't it? Like, Mm. you're a full-time musician. Yeah. Can you remember that first gig you got then, where you got paid to be there and you thought are you sure this this money in my hand now (laughs) i actually i feel really bad i feel like i don't um (laughs) i think it might have been a function or something uh and my my dad took me i remember yeah and the the guy came up and he paid me before okay and i was like obviously i've never really handled money in in a self-employed environment before (laughs) yeah i was like yeah do you know what i'm gonna sound like so i obviously i took the money and i was like um i could just leave <laughs> obviously i'm not gonna but i was like there's a lot of trust you put in me yeah but um yeah i remember it wasn't sort of like a oh wow music's taken over um mm. i can stop doing everything else and now do it it was right i'm doing music and we're gonna build it into a living mm. so I, I worked at um a, a clothes shop in in retford in town and uh I worked there for about just over a year mm-hmm. and it, it got taken over by a new management and I wasn't told that my contract wasn't getting renewed. Mm. So it got to December 31st and we were doing all the red tagging and stuff like that and putting, you know, all the sale items and stuff like that. And five minutes before the end of my shift, it was like, this is your last day, by the way. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> Brilliant. Really? Yeah. And I was like, Dude. oh, crikey. Okay. So I went home and I told my dad and I was like, good, right. Focus on your music then. Oh, I was like, and what yeah. a cool man to have in your life. Yeah, they've been so support. They've been amazing all, the whole way through. So he just like he set me up self-employed and he helped me uh, start up a record label so we could release some music like that. Wow. Um, and uh, a management company as well, so I could run it all like a a thing. And Dude. yeah, it was it was it, you know that walk home from work was quite daunting because I didn't know how people were going to take it. I felt really bad. I'd just lost my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, the the reaction from my dad it just put me at ease. It was just like it's well it's fine it was getting in the way anyway i was like dude wow. this is like this is so well, cool wait, is your dad a businessman as such uh he's um uh he works in uh, an accountancy firm yeah in, in leeds so um i mean because why is he so supportive did he see it from a young age that this is what you really wanted to do we've been sort of i got my first guitar when i was five mm. um and then i started sort of singing in secret in my yeah. bedroom when i was 18 <laughs> Uh, I just turned 18. I had loads of electric guitars, but I didn't have an acoustic. So I bought an acoustic. It arrived on my 18th birthday, and I just started like doing covers and putting them on Facebook, but didn't tell my family or anything. Wow. That weren't on Facebook anyway. And um, I went to a uni interview uh, in Leeds, and my dad came with me. We did the whole thing, and they were like, "Yeah, cool. Yeah, you can come next year on the basis of the grades or whatever." I was like, "Cool." Uh, I went to the bar with my dad after and I was like, I don't think I really want to do this. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I just showed him the video and I was like, I just kind of want to do stuff like this. And, wow. And oh, I was quite a shy kid growing up until about sixth form. I'd say anyway. Yeah. Um, and I think he was just sort of like blown away the fact that I was 
chosen to do something, you know, what a lovely one guy on a stage, <laughs> and he was just what like, a lovely moment. wicked, and went home, rejected all the uni offers, and just started getting to work. So. Oh man, I want to go and yeah. high five your dad right now. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. A cool fella. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a it was a turning point that day. I'll mm. never forget that. I mean, when you closeted singer <laughs> in your way, how are you learning though? Well, I, I, so I could play guitar before. I've always been able to just play electric guitar and and guitar in general. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't really know the names of the chords, so I just felt, I just went on, um, you know, just type in the Kooks naive chords. Yeah, yeah. And just copy the chords, and then you just sort of hum the tune, sing the tune, mm. and it was just sort of like this. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to see those videos come back up because they must have been dreadful. But um, people were so supportive on Facebook, and they're good and, to look back through, though, aren't they? Yeah. See your stepping stones and journey. But I, I took a lot of inspiration from Passenger at the time. Lovely words, Lewis. Now we've got the powerful words of Bambi's Den. Go check out Bambi's Den because Loren has so much knowledge about fast fashion and basically it's going to fuck up the planet if we don't do something soon. So here we are discussing fast fashion and its impact on the planet. I started uh, finding out more and this was a very important moment within fashion. Uh, it's something that I do talk about a lot and highly recommend people to go and, you know, research yeah. and read into it was in 2013 the Rana Plaza factory collapsed in Bangladesh and I think it was like a five storey high factory mm. and there'd been reports for quite a while that the building was unsafe, mm. you know, walls were shaking and you know, and you've got, you know I heard about this actually, thousands yeah I did hear people, about this you know, 1,138 garment workers died yeah. on that day um, and a further, like, 2,500 people were injured. And they were creating clothes for the Western society. Yeah. So it, it, I don't think it was the first factory that collapsed, but it was, you know, the first factory that really made mainstream media Niche. headlines, yeah. which was important. Yeah. So that's Done when I, right I went deeper then. into it, and I'm like, right underpaid garment workers so yeah. there's so much that goes into like sustainable fashion as, as an umbrella mm. there's so much that goes into it and i just remember being like i never want to mass produce yeah. garments ever i never want to mass produce garments I think, I think the worst conception that people have is like what can we do what can we do about yeah, it out of sight out of yeah, mind but that's there's, like there's over there in it yeah it's on your own individual level just making the right choices at the right time to mm -hmm. be mindful of it i suppose and not having that concept of what what can i do about it just do your research, mm -hmm. listen, and just pick on that basis, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I'm learning a lot today, honestly. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. Like, it, it, I love to reflect, and I, I love to, like, have new ways to live my life by. Like, being like, oh, I didn't know that about yeah, Boohoo, yeah. but I'm probably not going to go there now because I've heard this fact. And it, I think if people could emanate like that and talk to each other, and collectively we'd get somewhere. Because yeah, like, yeah. I'm so out of the blue towards fashion. <laughs> like, it's it's, it's one of those as well, like, going as well like with being vegan like I, I openly talk about sustainable fashion I openly talk about it with my friends um, my friends completely understand why I do what I do yeah. but you can't you can't force your views onto people yeah. keep up the energy Bambi's Den now we've got a masterful guest on the podcast Jerob 
This was really important episode for me. I learned a lot of lessons throughout the way, and I love the way this guy thinks and this guy articulates himself. Here, Jerob's discussing his single, Feel It. Don't think it, feel it. Yeah. It's been a, co a constant. 100%. Mm. I'm talking about feel it. Yeah, well, it? just just you and how you... Beca because feel it, you were talking very much about what you wanted out of that track. Yeah. And how important the lyrics were for you. Mm. And I was listening in for the lyrics after that, trying to like, see yeah, where you're yeah. coming from. And it was absolutely stunning. you quite metaphorical, but also to the point, which is harmonious. Wow. And I was just thinking how you become this artist because you see in the sorry for talking so much Do you think, <laughs> but you see in maybe like a mainstream line or anything people can say quite phatic language of trivial nothingness sometimes wow but you want to go further you want to go deeper and mm. explore the mind and explore you yeah for mm. sure i mean when it comes to music like i'm still figuring it out mm. um i think I haven't been doing music for a long time. I started, I kind of made a decision to become an artist when I, I dropped a, my first single in 2019, hmm. April 2019. Wow. So I'm still, I'm still fig, and that wasn't even like I'd been sitting on it for a year. It was more like I'd written it, worked on it for a month. Um, a friend of mine was like, helped me produce it, produced it, didn't know it was going to do well. It did really well. Hmm. So that was great. But I I hadn't it wasn't like I figured out who I want to be fully as an artist. Mm. I kind of just know who I am as a person, and the th the things that are important to me. Mm. And like you said, like I do want to be quite real because I think a lot of things are a lot of things are, are, are masked in the world. Um, and I think I just like talking about real stuff like yeah, but yeah. and but that doesn't mean sad it just means real because yeah. real stuff could be happy real stuff real stuff could uh, be joyful so um i kind of just like writing songs that talk about real things mm. um that that really express that connect with people it doesn't have to be necessarily about me but just things that connect with people and that's that saying of real recognize real sure and for me, you know, anyone is free to express themselves in any which way they want. And what's enjoyed is all down to perception, you know, whoever wants to enjoy what. True. But definitely for me, when somebody's speaking their truth and their honest point of self, I'm there. <laughs> I've steered totally towards you. Right. And now you're my number one Spotify playlist. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. You're in the top five of oh, songs you. I've heard for you for a long time now. Wow. But that was the authenticity creeping through. So it is powerful. And, you know, Feel It was... Let's go on to that a bit. Did that just come out from letting your, your inner dialogue just speak for itself? Honestly, it was... Um so the the song came on the back of um so in 20, 2020 obviously mm. twenty twenty the craziest year mm. I think everyone would agree, but um one of the biggest most monumental things in the craziness of last year was the re reignition of the Black Lives Matter movement, mm. which was um sparked by the murder of George Floyd. And not just that, actually, the the murder of Ahmaud Arbery and then George Floyd and then Breonna Taylor and just a bunch of names 
there's mm-hmm. a long list um but what that meant was as a as a black person i was i think i don't know if it's probably been talked about because it's, it's been talked about a lot but um we talk about the injustice and we talk about you know how unfair it is and it's it's really sad but i don't think we dive deep enough into the psychology of how it affects a black person mm. not just a black person in america just a black person in general because it's complex mm. i don't think it's 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 as simple as oh it's sad mm. you know it's it's a black person like when i saw george floyd died i couldn't watch it like I, I was, I was thirty seconds in. I was like, oh, I can't watch this. I'm just like, I'm just like crying in my bed. Like, mm. this is crazy. I can't. How do I, um, how and how do I process this? Because it's a lot to process. Because you can't help but see yourself as them. Mm. You can't help put yourself in that picture. Um, and what it does is it sparks feelings. It sparks past hurt. It, it sparks my own experiences of racism. It sparks just loads of memories and different feelings and a lot of complexities. Mm. So I was at a place where I was processing, but I was just in the I was just in the process of processing, and I was just trying to figure out what do I feel like, what are all the feelings that I am, all these complex feelings. How am I going to process this? And um, I sat down with a friend of mine over Zoom, mm. and he is a white guy. He's a really good guy. He's um, really wise, and he's a writer. He's a songwriter. Hmm. We didn't we didn't really sit to songwrite. We're just like let's catch up. Let's let's talk about it. Um, let's let's process together. And we just started talking, started offloading, and I hmm. started sharing. You know, just that space of just blah, yeah, just yeah. Blur, blurting out and what was on my mind, helping me process and. By the end of our time, we'd written that song. Um, what on that chat? Yeah, on on Zoom. So it wasn't set out to be a writing mission or no, anything. No, not at all. And on that one chat, you pretty much had the the skeleton of the song. Yeah, I mean the song More. was. I think the song was fully finished, apart from the bridge. Like we revisited. <laughs> How long were we on the there bridge. for, man? How long was this Zoom? Probably for? like three, four hours. <laughs> Yeah, we were chatting for a while. Your Wi-Fi got blitzed that <laughs> yeah, day. Honestly, I was, my Wi-Fi was not doing well. Yeah, sure. not thanking you. <laughs> but it was worth it. Um, wow, what a story. So genuinely, because it, it's that sort of known saying, isn't it? It came to me and a piece of art sort of just comes through you. You're yeah. the, the, I don't know how you say it, but the driver of it. But it's just coming through. Yeah, and one hundred percent. And I think there's there's loads of that moments. If loads of those moments, sorry, if if we allow them to mm. happen, if we allow ourselves to, you know, get to that place of of feeling. Um, and I'm not the kind. I'm not. Most of the songs I write or have written haven't been necessarily from a place of me trying to process something I'm currently experiencing. Yeah. It's usually in hindsight, it's usually mm. about someone else or about a topic or about something. Um, it's not necessarily about me and in this moment I'm processing it right now. And mm. um, so that was probably the first song that's ever that's ever helped me process my own feelings in a moment. Powerful. I, th- I feel a very similar way though in the best stuff I've ever written 
is very much when... Keep on smashing it, Jerob. Okay, we've got a very good friend of the old farm bus here, Ashley Jones. If you need anything doing for a website, graphic design, logo, please go to Ashley Jones. Check him out, speak to me. He is your man. Here we're talking about free party life. It's also a lot of fun. Free parties, I'm going to mm. try and remember to say. Um, you have them maybe twice a month? Well, free parties are every so often. We do legal gigs as well, so we play in pubs and clubs and social clubs and, and centres and so on. Um, but then we also do free parties at key times. So this would have been a free party weekend, if not a festival weekend. Wow. Because it's bank holiday Monday. Sure, sure. Um, so we would have been setting up maybe on Saturday and you have the prospect to go till Monday if you want, if you've got the energy. <laughs> um, but we do them, you know, throughout summer as much as we can. We get involved in some giant link-ups. So we've been all the way up to... To, to Scotland, for example, and been involved where there's about 40 different rigs all up against massive, huge windows. Scotland's like one of my favourite places in the world to be <laughs> as well. That's my retirement plan, mm. Scotland. It was definitely cloudy, let's just say that. It was a wet one. <laughs> but the experience was like none over. You know, you're linking up with about 25 vans all in convoy in a, in a Tesco car park, for example, and you're all driving in convoy under the dead of night, sometimes with your lights off, uh, and the gates... It, is that open magically somehow into the woods. Is this one of them moments where you literally just have to have that moment of, wow, what have I done? What, yeah. what? <laughs> well, you you go into this. military mode almost. We have um, walkie-talkies sometimes. So we're all kind of covertly going into the, the location or to site. But we always try and do it in places which are legal as mm, such. Mm. So National Forest Commission land... Um, it's not necessarily illegal to, to trespass on there or to be there or to have picnics. So if a police officer ever comes along, we're having a picnic. <laughs> How many of you? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got a lot of mates. It's right? just my family, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every nationality. <laughs> it, was, it was changed from Margaret Thatcher. So rep repetitive beat music was made illegal or there was some sort of law. I can't quite reference it right now. But she made it illegal to have gatherings over a certain size with repetitive beat music. And that was around the traveller era. So I have a lot of friends that are, are travellers, old school travellers that oh, live in proper. converted buses and so on. And I love that world. And I think a, a bit of an inner part of me is mm. a traveller as much as a, a city urban hippie. Um, but back then they used to have real free parties and festivals were free. There was no one charging for a festival back then. Mm. it's only been a modern invention of having to pay a festival ticket price so a lot of the free party world comes from that and just giving someone almost like a festival experience for free so like, you know quite a lot of the history then behind how it began and mm. where it transcends like I used to from go to festivals like um beautiful days down in in devon um which is run by the levelers now oh. they're like a traveler traveler band um and they got banned from several counties counties all across the country like banned from london banned from all these different places from even playing now they're just a bunch of lads folk band not <laughs> not like heavy aggressive like vilified <laughs> swearing or anything um but that was like grassroots hippie traveler promotion anti-government perhaps uh and that kind of just always stuck with me so i've had that kind of feeling while doing free parties and gigs. You know something wrong's going on when these sort of people have become the criminals. 
I miss you, Ash. Okay, we've got a Nottingham legend here, Warren Island. I swear to God this podcast will still be happening now if somebody hadn't put a stop to it. I really hope we get Warren on the back of the bus this year. Here we're discussing his musical journey. Um, collab album. It's Man. just non-stop. It's, it's just I really literally... enjoy meeting people that are so in love with what they do, so passionate so about it. And you can really feel that in your psyche and soul. Oh. It means everything to you. Oh, mate, it's so, 100%. Was that given to you through time as you've met people along the way have family been very influential about how you've approached this what, I mean, why are you so thriving for music i don't know i just absolutely i've got a, such a hankering for it and it's like when demons <laughs> came forwards as an idea it was just this sort of like thing where it was just this urge i was like i need to write something along the mm. lines of this and sort of like properly go in and in the grand scale of things is something that I'll refer to a lot and be like, oh, in the grand scale of things, grand scale of things. But mm. in the massive... Like a football player, mate. <laughs> at the end of the day, mate, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, you know what I mean. And at the end of the day, you know. Um... <laughs> so in the grand scheme of things, like, I'd say in terms of my career, you've got, say, a 100-meter dash or a 100-meter sprint race. And in where I am right now for... The past five or six years, you know, there was a point where I wasn't even writing anything. I was just doing covers and going out and exploring the music industry for what it was and getting just stuck in, seeing mm. how it all works, seeing what people liked, what people didn't like, you know, what kind of other musicians were out there and stuff. So I did that for about four or five years before I actually put pen to paper, started sitting down and writing stuff because I was going and playing at festivals and people were like, you need to write some of your own stuff because mm. the one or two that you've done already is actually really, really good and we want to hear more. So, mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, from, I'd say, a young age, I've always wanted to just follow the music and pursue stuff and just, I don't know, it was... Was it performing in general, though? Um, well, when I was in school, I did, like, school performances and I was a bit of a class clown, but I was also a massive attention seeker and a little dweeb. And, <laughs> I can honestly, you, mate. We would have oh, been mates man. at school, 100%. <laughs> you probably wouldn't. I was a really weird kid. Okay. <laughs> like, I was the kind that would sit in the corner of the room, like, beatboxing and just making weird sounds and just be like, ooh. And sounds like, ace. <laughs> no, it was, you know, at that time, um, I didn't know much about the world. I was very naive. Um, Mm. and yeah it was coming into things and i knew i wanted to pursue something and get my head around something to properly focus yeah and at the same time yeah. it was kind of like my dad doing what he did because he worked on tour for 10 oh, or 15 years yeah he was a lorry driver for like an agency basically and it's like a bit of a bit of like uh name dropping and stuff but like my first official gig was james blunt like. wow <laughs> but yeah wow. that was that was surreal because like we got to sit backstage all of us Dude. just grab a bit of food then james walks by You're and he's beautiful. like literally <laughs> man and it's like apparently this this guy offered my dad like drinks of wine before he'd have to dr drive and stuff and like, no i've got to drive and they'd have a football match on occasion mate honest my dad, the dream mate he was doing um, kicky ups with james blunt oh legit <laughs> um but as well as that like this is where my love for pendulum came from because we got to go and meet him in manchester when he was on tour with them and then we got like to go on the, the balcony to watch pendulum because he 
got free tickets through doing oh. the job. That was an absolute insane show. Probably one of the best shows I've uh, ever seen in my life because the balcony itself was jumping how, up and how down. How old would you have been at this point? 15, 16, Did, something I mean, like that. These are real groundbreaking things for oh. young people to Well, experience. at that point, it was really, really interesting because you don't really hear about that from other people, let's say, when you go to school. And of course, when I'm going back mm. and I'm like, oh, my, my dad knows James Blunt. Of course, people are like, yeah, all right, mate. Uh, all right, fair enough. Yeah, of course. Of course mm, it does. Mm. And it was like, oh, man, I can't really explain it to anybody because nobody can just got that reference mm. point and can understand that sort of like my dad was, you know, Kenny Rogers, Franz Ferdinand, mm. Dolly Parton, Meatloaf, Slash, fucking just band after band after band. He toured with Prodigy like four or five times or whatever it was. You see why you would have gained this well, thirst it, for what you do. Then. Oh, man. Well, it was seeing all the work that my dad did, but then the actual deal breaker was going and seeing Keane in Birmingham because <laughs> it was like mm. really, really good show. Pretty packed, but like sat with him for the most of the, the night. And then um, at the end, there's just absolute carnage going on. People are taking down this stage, putting stuff into um, flight cases to push down and yeah. off they go at the back. And then it's just like four random guys laughing, joking, walking by as everybody's like running around. I'm like, who are they? I'm like, it's the band. What are they doing? They're going back to the bus. They're going to get pissed. You know, go sleep. Probably come about 12 o'clock tomorrow. Do it all again. I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just plain and simple, sort of like standing and that taking was keen, it all in. Was it? Yeah, Keen. And mm. like the lead singer of Keen is ridiculously tall, like at least six two, six three. He's Seriously. Oh man, he's literally you, you like. You got to Whoa. speak to them. Did no. You? Um, so when they were sound checking, I got to shake hands with the drummer mm. before he run off, etc. Um, but quite a lot of the time, we were just sort of like in just the background, being in that environment, literally like. What it, I think the one time that I properly went out of my way was we went to see Pendulum at Doncaster and bassist is walking past and like Pendulum were my idols at the time mm, and I'm like mm, I'm not I'm not I'm not letting I'm not letting you walk yeah. up man. so straight up <laughs> I've just stuck hand out and I'm like you're the bassist don't you? Like, uh, 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 and he's, yeah, mate, I, yeah. I'm the bassist. Yeah. <laughs> he just yeah, like, he <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But no, the, seeing all of this was just a massive, massive sort of like thing, but. The kind of glitz and the glamour of the side of it is another side of it that I'm not too fond about because it's just, oh man, it. when you've got kind of money attached to it and you've got all these different things attached to it, you can get mixed ways, mixed intentions put into it, you know, when it's like one thing that's definitely bugged me over the years was to say sort of like if one of my songs all of a sudden got into a program or whatever and then there was loads of attention on myself for even a week two weeks i'd hate it because you wouldn't have be able to have like two minutes three minutes to yourself mm, mm. and i feel sorry for some of these celebrities musicians and yeah, stuff that yeah. have to go through it jamie cullum's got it sussed because of the sense he can still go out and kind of live his life a little bit um but he's not hounded by paparazzi whereas you get some people just aren't left alone i think it's particularly bad when you've had it from such a young yeah. age and you're developing because yeah. when you're a little bit older and you're coming to fame catch you soon warren okay now we've got one of my best mates here dan james from the prime life project we'd never met before the podcast but i really enjoyed him on an instagram live so i messaged him and i said i need to speak to you came and did the podcast 
Six, seven, eight months later, I'm helping him out with his mission at the Prime Life Project, doing his podcast, filming it all, and I love and I'm honoured to be a part of the team. So cheers for this, Dan. Here we discuss him and his depression and how it was the best thing that ever happened to him. People following others' lives and following a rule book and not living their own experience and existence. But for me, with my depression, I was crippled with it and had no idea where to go and what i was saying about schools there it is totally because i was just left afield i was left on my own to work it all out for myself and i think it's good for people to go through pain mm-hmm. and be hit hard mm-hmm. But to be given tools along the way that you can find at some point for yourself, that's the important and and fundamental thing about it. Mm. I really did have to go through hell and back and hell and back to to gain them tools. And I don't think people need to fall as hard as we did. I think they can have equipment given to them subtly and then suddenly they can find access. And uh, you've literally hit the nail on the head there. It's... Depression for me was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's bizarre to say, Completely but it's the best thing that happened to me. Would I wish it upon anybody? No. Mm. And that's why I'm trying to help people. I don't want my whole premise is to help as many people as possible not feel as shit as I felt. Yes, that's the goal. <laughs> Perfect the goal. attitude. But what people don't understand is, and I mean everyone, no one understands this. Is every single person on this planet? I don't care if you're a multimillionaire. I don't care if you're a celebrity. I don't care what you are. Mm. You have mental health. Yeah. Everyone, just like cardiovascular health, digestive health. Yeah. You have health, mental health. You might not be struggling with it right now, mm. but how good would it be to have a few axes just wrapped around yeah, your belt yeah. so when you're falling down that mountain, oh, fucking hell, I've got these axes here, and you can just grab onto it, and it mm. stops you from falling down to rock bottom. How good would that be? So actually you only fall down a little bit of the cliff rather than all the way down. Mm. And that's the problem with not giving these tools. But these yeah. tools are there, and they're fucking free. Gratitude journaling is free. It's yeah. a free thing. Journaling is free. And this is all this stuff, it's free. It's easily accessible, but we're not taught it. Training... Everything. Writing poetry, 100%. expressing yourself. And again, for some people, their idea of doing poetry and express themselves is their idea of hell. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That, that's not your vibes. But how about just, mm. just gratitude journaling? Oh, I don't like to gratitude journaling. Okay, cool. Well, how about you just sit with your thoughts? Oh, actually, no, I can do that. Mm. Why don't you try meditating? What, what, anything. Again, running. Just anything. There's, there's an outlet for you to be, just be with yourself. Mm. But the problem is we're too busy distracting ourselves from ourselves. Mm. We'll do anything to distract ourselves. We won't just sit. I I like what you were talking about as well with the nine to five or so on. Because I think a mistake that I made after I found all these answers and it was just an influx of information, Buddhism, Hinduism, the secret, Mm. whatever it be at the time, I was just lapping it up and getting philosophy drained into me because I needed it so desperately. Because I was telling you before the podcast, I literally typed in easiest ways to die. I was so, that was the night I was ready. And instead I read on Reddit a little post and somebody said, before you do anything daft, and he he did send me down psychedelics and substances, but I was saved on that night. I was that minute little inch away from, from topping it and just finding a way out. But after I'd been given all this information and been on my journey, I just wanted everybody to change. I just felt I had this answer that I needed everyone to understand. So I wanted them to live out sort of my existence in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Because for my, my dad, 
He's a Buddhist monk and he doesn't know it. Mm. <laughs> He's just so in the moment. Got his headphones on, walking all day. And I was st- I was alienating him because I thought, Dad, no, live like this. You need to be more on it. Feel this way. Have a passion. Do this. But he's lived that life. He used to be a semi-pro footballer. Mm. He's had his experience. He just wants to be more relaxed and zen and just in a simple place. And a lot of my friends, I feel like, I alienated because I spoke in such an absolute way on a pedestal in this is what life should be. And the moment I realised, oh, I was being very egotistical, I checked myself again and went, no, that was just your answer you found. What I do, I've got other podcasts to do with my other personal trainer mate called um, Words and Wisdom. But my disclaimer before that podcast is the people that I'm talking to now are the ones that are actively seeking change. Mm-hmm. Because the ones that are happy in life, nine to five in, but in a genuine happy way, cool, do your thing, you're in it, you're happy. But the ones that are falling or close to falling or need somebody there, that's where my words are aligned to and, and trying to help and access. I, you could be, that's the thing. So for me, it's looking at people and do what they're nine to fives. We know that they're not happy. Mm. But it's not a place to say anything. Mm. Like, if you try and force something upon someone, it makes them resent you. Yeah. And also, what you need to understand is when people are so plugged into the matrix, as I like to call it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, again, but we've been there. Yeah. And it's what I'm saying. I literally wasted 28 years of my life. Yeah. I li- wasted 28 years of my life. It's a painful feeling when it's you're painful. Notice, but the thing is, it's allowed me to be where I am now. So I don't, yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world. But I just realized I didn't live with any purpose or passion. I was just literally existing. Yeah. And that's the state that most people live in. But again, if you're plugged into the Matrix, and you don't know you're plugged into the Matrix, and you're happy, cool. It's not my place to say anything. Yeah. So when people come to me and want my help, I then pass it on. So in my podcast, so again, if you're happy living your 9 to 5 life, cool. You probably don't want to listen to me talking about law of attraction. Yeah, and yeah. The fucking, the, 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 you, you don't want to listen to that. <laughs> and again, it's fair, on my podcast, I don't really talk too much about it because I yeah. know that people don't want to talk about that. My thing is that mm. it's attracting people that do feel a bit, mm, I don't quite feel happy. Yeah. And that's the thing. Most people don't feel happy. Mm. And I feel like happiness, and this is this, this blows my mind. People need to understand that happiness is a feeling. Yeah. Your thoughts create your feelings. Hmm. It's impossible for you to be feeling shit if you're thinking happy things. If you're thinking mm. about bunny rabbits and unicorns, yeah. unless you're petrified unicorns and bunny rabbits, <laughs> you're going to be feeling pretty happy. Yeah. But the problem is people are feeling shit. Yeah. They're feeling low. And they're feeling rubbish. The thoughts. Their thoughts must be negative. Uh. But they don't know they've got a choice. And a vicious cycle in both ways. And I had this yesterday with this amazing girl who came to see me. She was in a really bad way. Uh, had a fantastic thing. But the Eureka moment for her was, she said, I can't take control of my thoughts. I can't take control of my thoughts. I said, can you not? I said, okay. Anyway, I had a, in my head, head right, right, I'm coming back to this in a second. Carried on talking for 20, 30 minutes. I said, I want to try an activity with you. I said, okay. So anyone listening to this, we do the same activity. Just close your eyes. I said, right. Close your eyes and think of a can of Coke. Mm. I said, when you think of a can of Coke, give me a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Cool. I said, think of a unicorn. Waited. Thumbs up. Cool. Said, right, raise your left hand. Left left hand up. Said, cool. Said, open your eyes. Said, uh, you just took complete control of your thoughts. Hmm. And she looked at me. Wow. And she's like, you motherfucker. She was like, you motherfucker. And I went, so you just told me 20 minutes ago you can't take control of your thoughts and that's why wow. nothing's changed. And I've literally just proved to you that you can take control of your thoughts. And she literally just looked at, looked at me. Hmm. And I was like, there yeah. you go. And that's the thing, but we're not taught that. Yeah. Now, you can't control, you can't control what pops up, so you can't control your thoughts. Cheers, Dan. Okay, we've got Tom here, aka Sting from Stingray and the J. We had a crazy, playful, wild time in this podcast, lots of laughs, and we really delved into the depths of funk and soul, a lot of rooted knowledge. 
Here Sting talks about how he found his passion into music. It started when we'd been on a family holiday, it was a street holiday, it was like four or five different families and we're all good friends, we were like kids. Um, and they took us down, we went south of France. Um, it was a long drive, it was like four and a half hours, there was family arguments, wrong way in the sat nav, like everything you'd imagine, farts in the car, that sort of oh, thing. Oh mate. <laughs> and um, we, got, we got to the place None and there was like well. a little live band playing. And I think my dad the next day, just passive in conversation, and me being quite young, was just like, I thought about playing the drums, like completely randomly. Yeah. And I was kind of like, drums. I like music. I've been brought up on rock music. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds quite cool. And I've always been a football lad before that. So yeah, I was like, yeah, you know what, yeah. I'll give it a go. So kind of delving into it then, he'd obviously dropped the seed. Maybe he didn't know he'd dropped the seed, but okay. I, in my head was like, drums, drums. I'm looking a little bit. That in a dialogue like, came back in. Drum kit. Like, where can I make money? <laughs> I've looked online, eBay. I can get really cheap ones. <laughs> How can I convince my parents to make me do this? So it was kind of, I didn't get my drum kit for the, for the first like year and a half of me playing drums. Wow. And my parents were like, you know, like a skateboard or a guitar that gets left in the shop. Yeah, the yeah, garage. yeah. They didn't want it to be that for me. They were before. putting you on a test. Exactly. Like, <laughs> if you can do the lessons and he's any good, mm. we'll give him a kit. So yeah, I had some lessons with, um, I think his name was Paul Hopewell. He disappeared off the radar for me, so if you're listening, Paul, I'd love to come back with round, you. brother. I'd love, to, yeah. love to chat with you. We used to have jams and stuff at Blueprint Studios back in the day. It was sick. But um, yeah, we kind of started doing lessons once every two weeks, and they're like twenty quid as well, which is quite expensive. Yeah, back in, mind, in the football, day, mate. Couple of quid for subs. Yeah, you know what I mean? three quid now and then. So I forget thought, it. Now bring it next week. Yeah, sure you <laughs> will. Week, I, I've, I've heard all of that now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was me every other week, man. Standard, but. Um, but yeah, like, it kind of just, yeah, I, I, if, if I told my dad and he was like, he's got it. My dad sat in for a lesson and was like, yeah, it's good. Was so he? I carried on doing it, got a drum kit for Christmas, which was a bigger kit than I thought. I was looking at the little kiddie ones, ended up getting a proper big one, and I was like, flipping what it. What were the kiddie ones? So they're just a three-piece, you get a little bass okay. drum, a little tom, and then a, a, what is a snare? It might have some snares on it, it might not. And then just a tiny little dinky, like, crappy symbol. I know what you mean, yeah. Like, as soon 50, as you give him a quid, smash, it goes. And that's what I thought. I last one off my dad, because it's not that much money. I've had asked for action men in the past, you know what I mean? And they've been way more. <laughs> yeah. So this would be something that you like. He's a good action man, mate. He's like a headbanger. He will want this. And uh, I got a proper kit, and we set it up, like, in pieces, because it came flat-packed. And, um, yeah, since then... What I've, was your first... Like, that was this, the first, first kit. And I've still and it got little, it. Oh, matey. Still got it. I mean, it's... it's Did you build you studio. up to, like, the pills and stuff like that? Or? Well, that's the thing. I had this old kit, and it was Chinese. Ion. I think they make loads of um, electronic equipment as well. It's like budget range. There's nothing too high spec from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we... Um, I used to get the piss taken out of me for gigs. Like, I had standard skins on, and I was whacking the hell out of them from yeah. a young age. But once I started learning the dynamics and stuff, I kind of quickly narrowed in my focus with it so i could make a like a crappy drum kit sound all right mm. so i'd set up in the sound menu or the band before would be like oh what kit's that and then obviously be like what is that it's not even a pearl or a tom <laughs> oh, or an apex like it's god knows what a that name is. to it and then we come on <laughs> and then we just absolutely blow it out of the park and then Sick. everyone be like Hang on a minute. That. yeah it's yeah not what you're playing Cheers, Sting. Okay, we've got a fantastic guest here. We had a brilliant conversation with Chris Meluish. He's been in the fitness industry and a life coach for years and years. He's got a lot of background knowledge and I really appreciate what he's got to say. Here we're talking about non-negotiables. It's almost like non-negotiables, right? Mm. You know, you have these non-negotiables that I know I've got to do every single day. That if I do these, I know I'm serving myself well. And on the flip side of that, I'm going to serve others better as well. Mm. You know, and then you remove a lot of overwhelm, a lot of anxiety by doing that as well. Mm. Um, so, 
yeah, like coming back to the kind of quadrant, it's like one of my things I have to re- recognize is that you know you, you kind of tell yourself stories. You tell yourself stories that you need to do this now. You need to kind of put all in your work into business now. When actually, it's just a story, mm. and you mm-hmm. can tell yourself these stories so many times that you start to really believe it. Yeah, but you don't realize the impact that's ha- having on every other aspect of your life. Mm. So you know, I start to spend more time actually scheduling time with my family, and you know, going back to that kind of daily planner that i have that um i i schedule in my dog walk i schedule in my training I, and mm. before i never used to do that i scheduled everything work related that was it mm. so therefore yeah, them things cool. were always going to get done but the other things that i need to actually focus on were never going to get done i noticed that and it's a, co- a common trend mm. but now i factor them in and i make it non-negotiable i do it and mm. is it perfect? No. Is it consistent? Yes. And consistency doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean I do it 100% of the time because life gets in the way. Life yeah. gets busy. But if I can hit 80%, yeah. I'm happy and I'm winning. And that's that goes a long way. So I kind of summarize that little section. I think it's just a drawing awareness around where you're spending your energy mm. and managing your energy correctly. Recognize and realize that sometimes you've got to cruise and blast. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to go all in because if you are training, like for me, I'm training for an Ironman towards the end of the year. There's wow. going to be times like this mm. year when I'm going to have to put a lot more hours in the training. Of course. And that may mean that I'll have a conversation with Gemma and say, look, mm. you know, there'll be a good a few early mornings for me now. I'm not probably going to be there. Maybe breakfast but she you know helping her have an awareness around that and communicating that to her Mm. is gonna give her a more be more supportive rather than understanding yeah absolutely she have a deeper understanding behind what i'm trying to do um but on the flip side of that you know we'll have a lot more family time maybe in in, in, periodically through the year when when we can um so yeah energy management has been a huge thing for me it's something we talk about a lot with our clients and since doing that quality words chris Okay, now we've got one of the most hilarious guests we've ever had on the podcast, Owen Oxley. About 20 years ago, me and Owen were on a film together, and he had to be my older brother, who was a bit of a twat to me. (laughs) And now it feels like my older brother that's an absolute legend to me. I appreciate everything he's done for the family, for the farm, everything. Here we're discussing the film that we're in together. They are the trailer we did with Sam. For those that don't know, me and Owen actually... That's how we met. How long ago is that? It was... Probably... I was probably 22. No, I was going to say 10 years, but fuck that. Yeah, probably 17 years ago. Wow. Yeah. I'd say probably. (laughs) And that film... Honestly, I remember you so well from that, man. I I came over, read the script with you even. I was at Sam's house. I had to get pet talked from my parents. Like, you do know you're paying a fat kid that gets bullied again. Mate, that's what... You imagine, so bear in mind, Sam, I went to Sam's, Stace had just passed a driving test and I made her drive, I made her, fucking gone to her head, <laughs> but she, it was one of them where she'd just passed a driving test and I was like, well, let's go to Sam's mm. and he lived in Denby, but we yeah. went all the way through Little Eaton and all the back roads, it's fucking horrible and she did it, she got there, she's fucking fuming with me, but we walked in and Sam had this, uh, I can't remember if it was a laptop. Or like a word processor. Because mm. it was a long time ago. And he went, oh, I've written a film. I was like, what the fuck are you on about written a film? Because he's obsessed with film. Mm. And I was like, okay, fair enough. He's the type of person that used to get a Region 1 DVD, which meant it was an American DVD. He couldn't play it in a British player. And he'd watch all the behind the scenes. All, he would overdose. <laughs> so he said, basically, we've written this film. 
you're a prick. I was like, okay, take that. <laughs> he said, there's, so there was me. Born. Exactly, yeah, mm. in. Mm. Me, Dom, Deck, Lee. So there was, Sam was directing and producing and all the rest of it. Ollie was doing sound, which is his brother. Mm-hmm. Then me, Dom, were, were childhood friends. Lee was his uh, other f- really good friend. So we cast and we got even people from fucking Deck from Ireland. Oh, Ross came over, Lewis, loads of people. And it was like a little family. Yeah. And bear in mind, I, I bunked off work for two weeks. Because okay, no. we did it in in Lower Kilburn, above that shop, above the um, uh, the fucking, the little... One stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so we yeah, did it yeah, above yeah. that, right? Now, bear in mind, I was smoking at the time, just smoking cigarettes mm. and, and like, didn't have any kids. I love that you have to just... Yeah, it's that. weird, man, because it's like, well, I was having a joint, was it? No, 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 no. I wasn't doing any of that naughty stuff. So I was, I was, because I stopped smoking when, before we had kids, because it was the rule, like, Stacey said, do you want to have a baby? I went, fucking come at me. She went, you've got to stop smoking. So if you stop smoking, we can have all the sex. And I was like, oh, amazing. So literally flicked him out. We did it once and she was pregnant. I was like, ah, oh, what? So I, I kind of got fucked over, but it was, it was for good reason. <laughs> so with that in mind, um, we went to do this film. So I had, I had two weeks off work. I, I said I fell down the stairs or whatever the fuck I'd said. And my teacher, Claire Eaton, bless her, she was an absolute sweetheart. She kept ringing me, are you everything all right? And I'm like, action. <laughs> like, what was that? It's just a telly, telly. <laughs> so I did this film and we'd been, it was all lads apart from a couple of girls that were coming in and out. And so it was very, 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 fucking boisterous. macho boisterous mm. fucking piss taking just being absolute assholes to each other let's, and then that's what it was it was full in between us so we just fucked with each other for like i don't know at least two weeks and then it wasn't till afterwards when sam then was like we need to do the cutaways or like the extra scenes that explain the background and obviously you are my little brother <laughs> But you and my little brother that our mom fucking adored. Yes. And <laughs> didn't you have a little mate? There's a little yeah, mate. Chris, yeah. yeah, he was your little mate. My little buddy. And then we went up to Duffield Bank and there was this really big house that we fucking put a, a telegraph pole in. Yeah, yeah. We fucking did all this stuff. And it was the first time we met you. And then Sam sort of passed me the script. And the first thing I had to do, I can't remember if I had to swear at you or punch you. Yeah. You had to throw a, you threw a rolling pin at me. Yeah. And then <laughs> at the end... <laughs> he, he said he said we've got to hit him with a baseball bat yeah. <laughs> I'm 22 23 you were like yeah. a tiny seven, the happiest little six, Cartman seven. looking kid yeah, yeah. I've ever fucking hey, seen you got, you got <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh god what the fuck are we going to do here so basically mm. and this happened a lot Sam had a lot of he had a, a lot of creative concepts mm. but not necessarily always the like because he said to I me... I got wrote into his script because he knew a fat little kid down the road. Precisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I know a kid. Well, I can remember on the trailer, you'll see me go over a wall off a BMX. I'm on a push bike and my real brother kicks me over a wall. Because when we got to set, uh, when we got on set, he said, I need you to hit that curb and mm. fall off. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to fall off a bike by hitting a curb. It's fucking solid. Oh, so man. I was like, I don't want to hit a curb. And like, no. I says, oh, watch this. I took my brother to one side. I said, Will... As we bump this curb, I need you to look like you're kicking me, right? Oh, yeah. So I'm, like, flying along, and he kicks me, and I just go straight over this wall. (laughs) It was fucking gold. (laughs) Sam came over, big hog, dude, that's the best thing I've ever seen. I was like, well, your idea was dog shit. Yeah, yeah. So then when he said afterwards, and was it your, the the cutaway for doing, like, my background, we said, okay, well, we need to hit Mikey with a baseball bat. I was like, 
He's fucking tiny, man. He's big, but fucking <laughs> yeah. tiny, man. Like, I'm an adult, technically. Oh, so I literally lay the bat down my arm. <laughs> and I got Sam to stand over my shoulder and just, I literally just tried to, tried to launch it. <laughs> it hit you and you played an absolute binder. You went forward like a rocking chair <laughs> and just rolled. And as it, as you watch the trailer you'll see it and it's like i can't remember if you called me a dirty slut or something he's pregnant mum the dirty slut <laughs> that's it shut your fucking hole <laughs> straight from the courtroom oh it's like we never stopped <laughs> that's it but the problem is it was i mean that was what all them years ago mm. and it wasn't until sam said mikey got he's grown up and i was like what he's like yeah he can drive and do all sorts of shit yeah, he's, like, he's a poet weird. i was like yeah that blew my mind <laughs> yeah oh, i can't remember I'm, what I'm saying before genuinely that. like Moments from that part of my life give me so much um, energy and confidence, really. Like, I was such a battered-up little kid, hated... I've blocked out a lot of childhood because yeah, I fucking yeah. hated it. Like, the bullying, I didn't have much love in the home, to be honest. Yeah. Like, there was no guidance. So I was really struggling, but I had a big personality because all I was shouting out was like, please, someone love me. Yeah, yeah. Just somebody love yeah, yeah. me, just please. And the fact that Sam got me on for that role, and I, even though it was like being fat or anything like that, I, I understood it was a role. And... I got so much confidence from that. It I was, was amazing. going to school and I was talking about it and it really did set me on a path of like, j- just new, just something else. Mate. I'd never felt that before. So I really do like, owe a lot to Sam and you guys for that moment. Well, it was, it's Genuinely. one of them. Even, even when you watch programs now and you know when someone is cast for being a fucking ugly bastard yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. how have they put that in the paper? Yeah. And you've been like, ugly cunt wanted, yeah. <laughs> going to be abused. You're like, really? Like, how do you get... But still, it, it meant... Yeah, it meant something to me because it's like, fuck it. If I'm the fat kid that everyone picks on at school, at least I'm doing it for Fucking a purpose. Watch this. At least yeah. I'm going to own this role. I'm going to do it. And Mate. It, my mum and dad and everyone's like, yeah, but this is what's got you into such depression. And this is like, you. Bit, but I'm like, fuck, no, I want the role. I want to be in this film. Yeah. Like, let me do it. Thanks, Owen. Okay, here we've got the friendliest face guest we've ever had too, George Gretton. He's got a really peculiar and unique sound to his music, and in this clip now, we discuss that sound. (laughs) Are you hugely musically driven? Is that something that you'd... If people describe you, would that be the way they describe you? Yeah, it's pretty pretty much all I do now. It's just just music, um, and just sort of lock myself away and just make stuff and make stuff. Thanks Um, to Boris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Thanks to Boris. I mean, yeah, we're all locked away now, but... um, Yeah, I'll, yeah. I just spend my whole t- my whole life doing it, and it's yeah. It's the main thing I want to do. I, I want it to be my career. I want to just make stuff, and I want to gig, and I want to people to enjoy, enjoy my music. I don't really care about obviously being a massive pop star or anything, mm. but I just want to make myself. And if, if some people find a value in it, then I probably do. It, yeah. I say this too much in a podcast, but it's because everyone I talk to, with people I wanted on, yeah. and I wanted them on because I love their sound or I love what they're about. Mm. And with you, I, I, you will become something. Listening in and hearing what you create and the big sound one man can do. It, it's breathtaking. Thank you. You create what, like, Air Lewis or something like that. You're listening and there's multi-layers and multi-tracks and ambience being created and then tempo changes. Mm. It's powerful, really Thank good, you, but man. you can do it live as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have two amazing bandmates who help mm. me with everything. Um, so, yeah, it all just starts with me in the box and I'll, I'll just spend ages just producing it, but then I take it to them and they bring so much. Joey, my drummer, who grew up on the same road as me, he's just, like, 
probably the best drummer I know or hmm. up there and he would just make anything sound ten times better and then Sam can he do the jazz drumming as he well he can do a bit of he... everything mate he can do a bit of jazz drumming he can oh, do um, he's just like so creative as well and we've got like a he, we've got him on like a sort of hybrid electronic and acoustic setup so he plays like a sample pad and then some real drums as well um so yeah he's adapted to that really well because i want to bop him on the air <laughs> yeah. Stop it. i send him like the stupidest <laughs> drum beats because i i'm not really a drummer um so when i'm producing tunes and i will make the drum tracks i'll just sort of like drag and drop samples and like mm. copy and paste it and then he'll, i'll send it to him he's like you know this isn't a drum beat like this isn't what a drummer would play <laughs> i'll be like learn it <laughs> um, and he does and he does he adapts really well so yeah fortunate enough to have two guys who help me make it like a massive thing live does that mean so it's not conventional it's you're playing four fours or yeah i will literally be four. like dragging and drop and my my whole thing is like i want my music to like catch you off guard sometimes so sort like lo-fi-esque yeah so I, yeah exactly so i'll be using samples and i'll be like yeah let's swing that a little bit or this sounds a bit too straight let's put the snare where it shouldn't be there mm, so and just mm. try and i just like literally move things around the logic project and just try and make it catch you off guard but then when i send it to joey and he's like well how am i supposed to play that mm. <laughs> do you think you've grown that for any particular reason because how i deliver lyrics isn't rappy mm. you know I, I get bad name calling going online sometimes when you spit you sound like this <laughs> or you can't do it and it i feel i'm trying to just be me i'm doing poetry mm. on top of a, a track mm. and i've made my own sound towards it and you you do get better in time yeah did you start off quite naive to music and not knowing all of it so you've done it by accident yeah i mean for me I do think I found what I consider to be like authentic to me now in terms mm. of my sound, but it wasn't always like that. I like I've been in lots of different like bands and stuff, and like when I first started, I was I was in a band with um, all my mates from school, and like they're like some of my best mates, and had such a good time doing it. <laughs> but towards the end of it, I was listening to, I was make we were basically making like indie pop music, and I was yeah. trying to like basically just be the next whoever we were listening yeah, to yeah of course um and then i got towards the end and i started just listening to more music and naturally i just started throwing more influences in mm. and that was when i was kind of like actually maybe maybe this isn't the what i want to be doing maybe i want to completely sort of rebrand and find my own thing mm. um and then yeah it's just come over time of just uh just experimenting with sounds like experimenting on logic um and just spending a lot of time just just clicking around, mm. trying to find, you know, the right happy accident. Um, it, it is your sound now, isn't it? I've listened to it. I've listened all on Spotify, pretty much everything you've done with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for them views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you definitely could tell if you came on in a playlist, oh, that's George Gretton on now. 100%. Oh, that's you. how it feels. Thank you. Would you say then you plateaued on that and you're happy in this phase you're in? Or do you constantly want to add, adapt, and find different sounds? Yeah, I'm always, I'm, I'm a big sort of. Well, we hear like African drumming. Scene. Yeah, literally, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like a huge um, sort of stickler for just trying to find new music um, that I've never heard before, and just like different cultures. I've recently been listening to what I've been recently. I've been listening to a lot of like Somali and funk music and <laughs> stuff like, like just like loads of, and I just like because they, I found this band. Oh, there's a band called Dur Dur Band from Somalia what? from like the 70s and they use the craziest sounds in there like some, I don't know if it's a guitar pedal or a synthesizer or what but they're using the most bonkers sound and I'm like how do I get a bit of that in my music so I'm always like looking around and trying to find stuff and you'll hear like 
me just nicking uh, sounds from different cultures and stuff and throwing it into my tracks. That's um, cool. How do you discover these? Is it on Spotify? Do you go on like Spotify, the Spotify? Yeah. yeah, Spotify. I go down like YouTube rabbit holes mm, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'll try and get recommendations. I've got a lot of musical friends, so they're always sending each other music. And, and do stuff, they so. try and catch you off guard? <laughs> I bet George hasn't heard this. And then you're like, yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we are, it's, it's less competitive than that, but I think like... I think we all I've got a few people whose ear I really trust and I know they'll know if I like a track mm, and mm. my siblings uh, probably probably know me the best my brother sends me music all the time my younger sister really? sends me music all the time it's yeah. lovely when people go out their way to yeah, they've yeah. listened to something and feel oh that'll connect with you yeah, yeah, yeah. hear this because uh, I like what you said about cheers George okay here we've got Nick McCann if he can't do it you're right. <laughs> I'm a fan of everything this guy embodies, everything this guy's about. I don't see him enough, but from afar, I know he's smashing life. So keep on doing that, brother. I love you to pieces. Here we discuss the passion that our dads infused into us and the inspiration that they gave to us. You have, like, an amazing mentor when you were at school then, because is that what, like, pushed you on to want to do what you're doing? Or... Yeah, it's well, it was weird. I didn't really start playing until I was... 11 12 wow okay so, that's um, quite late on really for it a, is realistically yeah. compared to like the ages i'm teaching um because some of them are as young as like six years old i mean my dad started cool. at 50 so it's never too late man it's never too late yeah uh but yeah so 11 12 my parents got me my first electric guitar i was like i want to i want to do this and had lessons with my dad for the first couple of years you know which even he'll admit it had its pros and it had its cons. You know, <laughs> like I love him to pieces, but um, and he's a really good teacher for other people. But you know that whole family vibe kind of gets in the really way. Hard, isn't it? It's yeah. like because you don't want to admit your family know more than you about something sometimes as well. So you're sort of like, I know what I'm doing, Dad. Give yeah, me that. exactly. But at the same time, I, I owe him everything. I wouldn't yeah. be doing what I do now without him because not only did he he teach me, he supported me when I was in school and on my first bands. Like the, I don't know better part of 10 years maybe he was driving my bands around supplying the equipment doing the sound helping run the gigs and everything uh, even now he'll come to as many gigs as he can and support me it's just, i do it's notice that when i go him. around to yours and i've been around many a time to do yeah. some music and things but just the the lovely atmosphere and the vibe that you two have together is so strong and w would he always doing guitars and music and things like that or yeah he was doing it um he was going out around pubs and stuff when he was younger in scotland and everything and then it's only really been kind of the last few years he's not done as much so but every okay. now and again we get a cheeky little jam in at open i love mic it when you start like, playing yeah. like with each other on a i've been to the holly bush and i've seen you yeah, both, like, jamming down there and it's been amazing yeah mm -hmm. such a nice vibe i went um filming the other day and uh this guy tom grant uh for one of his sessions he was uh releasing a single nice and uh at the very end he got his dad up um, and no they sang Angels, Robbie Williams together. Aww. And I'm genuinely, I'm filming this thing and I'm starting to, like, tears <laughs> are coming down my face. And I'm just like, they're hugging. He's just like saying, oh, I'm so proud of you. And then he's saying, Dad, I couldn't do this without you. And all the bond there was just so strong. And yeah, I see that in when you play. I see that dads are just cool, aren't they? They are, man. They really, really are. Inspire. I, I'd love, like, watching you and your dad interact. Like, your dad is one of the <laughs> coolest people. He is. And uh, everyone who knows you and knows him. He's, he's <laughs> 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 I imagine you're very much like each other at times, but, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And again, that can have its pros and cons. Catch you soon, Nick. Okay, we've got a quality guest here, Jared Hardin. 
I've revisited the episode recently and enjoyed so much about it. There's a lot of gems in there, so do go back and take a look. There's so many similarities and commonalities in mine and Jared's story. I love the connection that we made. Here we're discussing a beautiful life metaphor. Psychoanalyzing others and looking at the social aspect of the life, yeah. of life but if you psychoanalyze yourself, yeah. then that can really play your part. Yeah, it, it can, and it, you know, and then it obviously it does it does great things on the outside of of your life. Like mm. it can it can help uh, a lot sometimes. But um, I think yeah, the in the studio. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I guess, you know, I've been in massively pressured situations. I've mm. been in horrible situations. I've I've done a lot of that. Therefore, it, it takes a lot to kind of stress me out mm. and to a mm. point where there's a problem. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. you know, so um, a lot of the conversations I have with people in the studio is that they're stressing out about the way the song's ending or, or this. And it's like, dude. Like we're, we're in 2020, that. like you we're can do this as many times as you want. Yeah, yeah. You're not wasting real, <laughs> real to real yeah, tape and yeah. stuff. <laughs> like you're not burning through it. Like you've got as much time as you want to put into this. That and SD card's got like 150 gigabytes now. <laughs> yeah. Not three. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so, but yeah, I think I think generally, and 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 Simon um, kind of has a similar mindset of what well, there's a, there's a metaphor I like where I remember being. Uh, away at like a youth thing in Glasgow uh, once and one of the leaders lost his wallet mm. and I was kind of like 16 at that time mm. I got my own wallet I got my fake little bank card <laughs> you know, you're like your, your kiddie account or whatever it is yeah that's it and I was like and when he lost it I was like oh my days that's the worst thing that could happen to someone you know I'm like he's lost his wallet like his life's in his wallet and I remember he wasn't stressed out Right, okay. He was he was concerned, but yeah. he wasn't like stressing out. Like his coat wasn't flying out. Mm, he wasn't emptying this car. The wall. Yeah, he was just he was just he literally stood there and was like thinking. Yeah, and that was the first thing it's he did. And me. I, it's always yeah, me. and I was None just watching that. that, and I was like. Oh, he's actually dealing with the problem. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I was like, oh, he's actually like decided to actually try and work it out. Yeah, yeah. What um, can I do? And if there's yeah, nothing I so, can do, then just exactly, forget it. exactly. And so it was a case of uh, my metaphor is like, if you lose your wallet, if you stress out for thirty seconds to a minute or whatever, it doesn't help you find your wallet. Mm. Whereas mm. if you if you just take a step back and work through a process. You know, so I don't know. Some people do it differently, but you know, if I lost my wallet, I might, you know, do I know where it is if I really think about it? If mm. I retrace my steps, can I retrace my steps? Mm. No, do I need to cancel cards? Mm. Probably, you know, just methodically kind of work through yeah. the process to get it back or to take actions that you need to. And so that's kind of the way I approach, and I know Simon approaches situations that Mate, might not be positive. Yeah, well, that's just it's, it, it doesn't help, and you know, it's that, like the objective is get the wallet back you know you've got that yeah in your you've head, got the you goal you want, yeah but you know there's other steps that you can take yeah to, if you've not found it we can do this if you yeah using using your energy mm. to fret mm. and to stress isn't going to do anything to make anything happen quicker yeah yeah magically like, appear oh it's here now. yeah exactly <laughs> thank god i got really right, and we've off. all done it we've all done it where <laughs> yeah. we've lost something we've stressed for five minutes we turn the house inside out Dude. and then it's been in the one place it's been yeah. all the time um, yeah. You know, it could have taken two and seconds now you've to think just about split it. Up with your girlfriend, for yeah, half yeah, an hour. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've cancelled your internet. <laughs> you burnt the kitchen down. <laughs> like, your dad's that. got a black eye. <laughs> yeah. I love your dad. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, um, I love dad. <laughs> yeah, so I think like, that's organisation to help dads out there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need it. He's a lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was just in the way. Yeah. 
<laughs> but um, no, I think that it, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that that I'm glad I've got. I guess mm. if that's a weird way of saying it, mm. I don't know. But um, and I have to take my own advice sometimes. Sure, like yeah, we're all yeah. human, and I definitely it's do serious. get stressed out at, at, at stuff when I shouldn't. And after it, you know, you look at it and go, "Well, mate, mm. what were you doing? Mm. Like you, <laughs> you let it slip." <laughs> my, my worst one, really, for me is when it's other person's time or I've done it for mm. them. Like, for myself now, I'm starting to rational. I've yes. had a baby now. I'm a bit more, yeah. like, calm and uh, comforted in myself. Yeah. But it's still when I do something wrong for another person, I'm a bit like, oh, yeah. oh God, that's them. Because, like, with filmmaking as well, I don't know why I pick filmmaking as a passion. Because <laughs> it gets on your tits sometimes, man. <laughs> SD card corrupts. So I stay away. It's like, <laughs> it never away. corrupts. There's no reason for it to corrupt. But one day, it just does. technology goes, yeah, yeah, we don't do that anymore. You're like, no, you do. <laughs> I have that with my hard drives a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. hard drive. yeah. So yeah. I've done it for uh, Concrete Rose. Um, yeah, yeah. Done it for a few bands. And we've done a music video, full day. Day, and suddenly I'm like lads it's all shot in oh, slow-mo or lads oh no. it's just corrupted or something happened and that's when I'm a bit like can't do really anything about it other than reshoot yeah and I have got a bit angry because I'm like oh man I didn't want to no I, I, I fully get that and I think it's it's I have a I have a situation similar where um if I'm doing uh, production for someone so I do a lot of songwriting and kind of like uh, digital production for a lot of people and mm. so if they send me you know a brief or a few songs that they want a song similar to and mm. and then I'll send it out um, if if their first reaction is negative mm. it's often often they don't mean it to be negative mm. um, it's just that you know people don't understand the process or they're just not experienced and stuff but if it is my first gut it just my my heart sinks mm. because i'm like oh damn i've not done a good job mm. you know and it's like they've they want me to do this job and i've not done it and it's yeah. it's a very common situation when it gets to post-production with music so mixing and mastering it's like you send a mix out to someone and they're just like, this is not what I had in mind. Mm. Like you've not done the music justice. And you, you, initially you just go, wow. Oh, what? Like, yeah, I've, you know, I've tried hard on this, like, <laughs> but it's not because you, you don't feel personally insult, insulted. You don't, you don't feel like got at, you don't, it's none of that. It's, Oh, I've not done my job. Mm. What, how have I not done my job? And then you mm. question everything. And oftentimes all it needs is a conversation right? and it gets ironed out yeah, straight yeah. away, you know? Um, Actually, I'm sure they won't mind me talking about this. Uh, Lady Rose. So, obviously, they've just been in the studio with us doing Mm -hmm. their singles that they're releasing. Uh, I think they're... Is it New Year's Eve or New Year's Day? I think their second one comes out. Uh, I can't remember. But um, they they've been around a lot of studios. Mm. They've been around a lot of people and they've not necessarily got the service that they deserved or that they were due or that Mm. they paid for. And so, when when that happens, it's always going to take its toll you're never going to fully trust people yeah yeah it's like anything Mm. if you put so much time and effort or even money into something and it doesn't come through Mm. you don't trust that kind of situation again fully yeah Yeah. and so uh i remember initially that they were like oh we're not sure about these these mixes like we just we're not you know we've put a lot of time in and stuff and i just rang them and i was like this is all good. Like you're allowed to have comments about your music. Yeah, like yeah, don't yeah. feel like this is where the book ends or we're handing this off now, you know, as a studio, we're discarding this. Like we're not interested if you don't like it. It's like, here's a benchmark. Mm. If you're not happy with being there, then let's raise it to here. Yeah. 
but have a conversation. But initially, the first result was, oh man, I've I've not done my job properly, mm. you know, and that, and it's only the only thing that will change that is experience. Yeah, and it's mm. it's sad that you have to go through those hard times, and you're questioning yourself, and mm. questioning your equipment, mm. and questioning yeah. the process <laughs> and the way you do things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you have to go through that to be able to just get angry for 30 seconds mm. and go, oh, I've done my job wrong, blah, blah, blah. But then just, be like, right, I'm going to call them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to figure out a solution. We're going to sort it. And so then within a week, we got them in and we'd done it all. Yeah. And it was fine. Because that's, that's music, isn't it? It's a matter of taste as yeah. well. Like maybe your ears are listening like, oh, I bet they're really into yeah. this sound, but their ears are... Cheers for that, Jared. Okay, now we've got the tremendously talented Joey Collins, a very good friend of the bus. I can't wait to see what happens this year for Joey because I know he's going to really evolve as an artist. We bought a song out a couple of years together and it reached BBC Six. Bring it on. In this little clip here, we're discussing what making it means for a musician. I'd never do. Yeah. Ever. I, I suppose I'd learn from doing, mm. but... It's not who I am or what I want to be as an artist anymore. I just enjoy it. Just so, do, yeah, enjoy the doing of yeah, it. Yeah, like I've said before, and it's not really changed. It's a mm. passion project for me. I love making film. I love creating stuff I'm proud of, but it goes no further for me anymore. I'm really comfortable in that position. So yeah. to critique myself and look where I could go... I think it's semi-unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unless I want to, like, make a better film or yeah. learn a better technique yeah. in that department. But, yeah, in terms of where I'm at as an artist, it's comfy. But you want to grow, don't you? You want to... I, I want to make a living yeah. out of my art. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm definitely not shy in saying that. And, you know, I don't... It's this question of, like, how do you, how do you define making it? I yeah. mean, for me, I'd answer it with just... I'd love to be able to make a, you know... A sustainable living out of it I don't, I don't the old term question yeah how do you make it I've, and, and I wrote it, and, a song called make it oh really with Johnny Ollie. it didn't come out that one okay I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd like to hear how it went I've got the lyrics still, <laughs> yeah. but it's literally all about this whole conversation yeah of like what is it to make it because I it was about a year or a year and a half ago when I had certain people in my living room and we were doing songs all the time but it was like churning it out, just constantly trying to make as many mm. as you can. But it was to progress to get to a certain stage that they all wanted to be on this platform. Mm -hmm. But I always feel like when you listen to your heroes doing interviews, they're always like, oh, I realized when I got to that position, I'd missed all the cool steps on the way. Do you know what I mean? I missed yeah. all the enjoyable little encounters. And they actually they re reflect on the more wholesome aspects of what they enjoyed was getting together with your mates, performing at them little bars and mm. just having a laugh. Yeah. And I, I started to miss that because I was looking at making it and trying to be this artist. Yeah. And I've always tried, I totally get that and all that. I've always tried to be very conscious of enjoying the creative process. Mm. You know, I enjoy playing gigs. I've learned to take each day as I come. And I've always said that now. It's like, you know, if I don't make it. Yeah, yeah. Sound. Yeah. I, it, it doesn't change whether I'm going to be still doing my music doesn't change who I'm going to be it's just something if I could obviously make a living off it yeah. I don't have to worry about delivering pizzas so is that yeah is that is what, what making it is for you then basically yeah, gotcha. being able to sustain yourself yeah to be able to sustain myself to basically create more yeah and have more freedom Time. and possible finances to buy more guitars and buy I mean, more well equipment. that sounds like a great attitude and i think implementing that in your life you know you you're very wise to go in that direction mm. it's when people 
just want more like money it's just endless and when's enough isn't it you don't know when enough is i'd rather have like a a wealth of of knowledge yeah an experience than Mm. you know a wealth of you know artificial you know fame and i think that's it if you have created a space where you have a lot of time Mm. where you can create and make and do what your passion the more you can do it you're making it in my eyes in that realm and I think I've managed to do that now, having the buses, putting on events, seeing other people mm. do that. It still gives me time and space to collaborate, to meet cool people and get back in and work in the lab. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Put my, my words together again. Yeah. It, I've found that fine balance and tune with that. Are you on that journey then? Are you close to getting that place? I think like what you just said, I'm, I'm already making it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's difficult because there have been moments throughout like the past four or five years, um, you know, when you're finding your sound and finding who you are as an artist and, you know, maybe people are getting more successful quicker than you Mm. and you kind of have a look inwards and think, oh, am I doing something wrong? And, Mm. but I've always kind of, I've always been raised to just, you know, be true to myself Mm. and, I've always, I never create something that I don't have fun doing and that mm. I don't want to do. So yeah. I never want to be sucked into that industry, you know, formula yeah, of like, yeah. you need to change your, the, what, it's funny because me and, um, me and my missus watched the, the Star is Born the other day. Oh God. <laughs> I put it on actually. Right, that, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I fell asleep in the bus uh, watching it, but really? I just woke up to Chrissy like crying, crying. eyes out. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. And then the credits come on. I was like, what happened? <laughs> Boy, you missed the ride. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I guess what I was trying to say is it's, you know, in that film, the label start changing her completely like right. how she sounds and you know less clothing being worn out of nowhere and mm. all these all these changes and in the end you can see like it's not who she was as the artist in her pro in her most authentic way mm, mm. um just a phenomenal voice a passion for it yeah and that's the truth yeah but and she was singing and... like this to begin with she was singing in this bar yeah, yeah. this drag bar yeah, actually yeah. and she's just like you know, killing it, and she's it. a star there. <laughs> yeah, and and then obviously she goes on this massive, you know, mm. journey of success. But I don't know. It kind of it kind of honed in on this like the fame and all that. It's like you know, it's not all cracked up to mm. what it's. You know, mm. once you go down there, you can't go back. There's a desperation behind it, isn't there? And I think people seen. think they're gonna be happy. Mm. It's like once I get to this point, yeah, I'll be that's... happy. Once I... I sell X amount of records, then I'm successful. That's um. Alan Watts, I really like. Yeah, Alan Watts. And is cool. uh, I remember, I love two things: Alan Watts and South Park. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're my two. And uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone are heavily influenced by Alan Watts. Mm-hmm. They like a lot of his teachings, philosophies, and they did a, a series of like six animated version like south park style but done over alan watts talks really what, what's that called? yeah it's so good that. it's uh, just type in alan watts south park cool but uh one of them is uh music is life and it's a two minute video but literally explains this perfectly and it, they don't even have to explain it in music he says like how we're programmed is always looking for the next thing mm. and it's like we go to school to get these grades to get these grades to go to this bigger school we go to this bigger school all with the premise of we're going to get these other grades 
to get to uni and at uni we're going to chase a job to get the job we've got to get, get a promotion and, and, the, and it goes all the way up and then yeah. it gets to this boss at the end and he tips this pot of money which is empty and they realize like the whole way through this process they miss the dance on the way and he says like it's a beautiful way of putting yeah. it and he's like with music the if you if it was to get to the end destination the quickest it'd just be a big crashing sound and that'd be the perfect song but we don't we have this symphony we have this mm. like build up and movement throughout all of it and the way you explain that i watched that video and was like i need to change my uh-huh. whole outlook my whole process of what i'm doing and what i'm creating because you do lose sight if you're always looking forward you just don't remember like the goal ahead of you yeah and what you're doing in that moment and yeah i think that that's the beauty of of music and creating it's creating itself yeah, it's yeah. not like don't get me wrong it's it's always cool when you've worked on a song and you've spent hours mixing it or collaborating on it nice words mr collins okay i love this next guest zig the kid he had a refreshingly peculiar vision on how he saw life and how he saw his art and it comes across really authentic so here in this clip we're discussing how you've got to dare to be different Listen in. Have you always been a little bit different then? Yeah, yeah. School addressed that to you. and Zig, he is not quite your normal kid. No, yeah, weird. (laughs) Why do you think that happened? Why did that grow? Uh, Is it home life, family? Have you got any siblings? uh, Yeah, I've got an older sister. Are you all weird? (laughs) Uh, No, because they would like make fun of me for being weird. Like they would kind of, they would always say that I'm like not black enough. My My sister would call me a bounty. A bounty? Yeah, because like brown on the outside and white on the inside. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> thought. Okay. And, um, what does she mean by that? What was she inferring to? She, 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 she means like, uh, like there's this expectation on how black people are supposed to be mm. and how we're supposed to act and how we're supposed to talk and the things we're supposed to be into. Mm. And I don't talk. I, I never spoke like that or speak like that. I'm not into those things. Right. And I don't hang around that kind of crowd okay and so existing to pre-existing stereotypes and narratives yeah exactly mm. and that was kind of like looked down upon almost really <laughs> other black people would speak to you in that way uh sometimes yeah like i, I got picked on by loads of black kids in school wow, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. yeah like um, for not being fit in there for not being for not being black enough that's so, <laughs> I, I swear on my life i've never heard anything like this before because uh, i've never read it for being uh, white enough and, yeah but uh, i i I'm pretty what Birmingham, remember? <laughs> Dudley, it's all my genetics. So I, I live the white life. <laughs> but there's, there's a line in a Earl Sweatshirt song that sums it up perfectly. Mm. He says, um, too, uh, too black for the white kids, too white for the blacks. Wow, okay. So it's, kind of, it's almost like I don't, I don't fit in. So did anyway. you feel very alienated throughout your existence as a, a kid and a young yeah, person? Yeah, like I said, up? you know, I only had like those three four friends Mm. that really fucked for me and that was kind of it like i would still be able to get on somewhat with other people but it was never like i never felt like that spark yeah or connection or Mm. like i couldn't like i couldn't fully fit into any of the groups yeah mate this is probably why we're getting on so much because i was a social (laughs) butterfly that didn't know my position in life or where i stood i was telling you on the way about ripley being 
EDL BMP, where that was sort of from. Mm-hmm. You grow an idea for the small town mindset of what you get in. Mm-hmm. So then, but I'm also from a very liberal family. Mm-hmm. My mum's dad was from Persia, and oh. he was a doctor of the of the town. Amazing guy. Nice. <laughs> so we've had a bit of a different upbringing. So when I go to school, and they'd been taught in a certain way and treat people and boxes and have categories of people, I was like, can't we all just get on? Can't we all play football together? And I had this idea. So you'd be bullied for wanting everyone to be included. Mm-hmm. And it, it just felt a bit alien to me. So yeah. I'm very much on a level with where how, you're coming how, from. How's that, a bad, how's that a bad thing trying to... But like include everyone else. Yeah, and then but then be discluded in their own course because yeah. you're trying to bring them together. People it, disclude each other for the stupidest things. Mm. <laughs> so do you think that's maybe why we negated to writing and being like poets or rap because we're always keep doing music, the kids. Okay, here's a man with a heart of gold, Tom Grant. We travelled so many different roads in this podcast and I love them all, but one of the most illuminating roads that we travelled was Tom discussing his life with Asperger's. Listen to this clip. You know, I don't want to go into deep, massive detail yeah, about that, fine, but man. that's where I kind of, I think my mental health, I realised it. It deteriorated, it started, okay. and ever since then, mm. I've had to be on medication for my anxiety, you know, I've tried taking my own life, which, wow, okay. you know, which a few people have, I know I've tried to do and... Mm. You know, and I just, what stopped me was just realising what I had, not what I didn't have. Mm, Wow, man. It's all good talking about it. And you see people discussing it and you hear people talking about it on the radio and you hear about all the deaths and things. Mm -hmm. But then what what really does it for me, what keeps my heart beating is the friends that I have. Mm. Yourself, everyone in the open mic community or musical community in Nottingham and Derby. Sure. They are my family. Connected and... over a passion, isn't it? Mm. And they're such passionate people, but they're so loving and mm. kind and giving as well. Absolutely. And you're like, a part of what I've wrote down, mm. you, you were diagnosed with Asperger's. I was, yes, right. when I was 13. 13, okay. And can you go into that a little bit about, because I, I know yeah. nothing about that. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I've only got South Park references to go off of, and that doesn't help you in anything. <laughs> or asparagus, as some people yeah. call it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of five a day, yeah. But... I think Cartman said Asperger's on one. I was like, As- that's just not Asperger's. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be able to laugh, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I try and laugh about it all the time. You know, mm. I went through school with being bullied about it. And... Okay things I'd done and I've had plenty of my fair share of um, horrible comments about yeah, it. Yeah. F- that made me feel like it's a curse. But mm. people say, well, look look what you've become as a, as a result of it. Mm. And then I say, well, I could just be like that anyway. And they're like, no, no, genuinely, you're good at computers. You're good at music. You, you're you there for everyone. You put others first, which mm. I do, generally, yeah. and more than myself. And people say to me, you should put yourself first sometimes, Tom. Mm. And I go, no, mm. I, that, that's never going to happen because... You know, I'm always trying to make sure everyone's happy with really me and I never upset them. I noticed yeah. it on the night that I met you at your solo night, your launch, mm. and you were just constantly going around to everybody, making sure they're okay, making sure mm. they've got what they need, going to them. And it's like, Tom, this is your night, brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> just relax and take it for you. But you were constantly just trying to make sure everyone was doing good. And mm. I, I really value that in you as a person. Mm. I, I wanted to get you on just because I like being around you. That energy yeah. that you give is so warming and honest. Yeah. And I said, do you think that is a part of Asperger's then? Are people with Asperger's like that? Is I think it, it differs in it, people. Okay. It depends on their upbringing. Because if you're, if you're brought up... Um, 
to kind of um, in a in a in a bad environment, and then that some people may not be like that. Mm. It can it can be to do with upbringing. It can be to do with a lot of things. I mean, I was ra- I was raised by my mum till um, she met, she remarried at fifteen mm-hmm. uh, when I was fifteen, and um, so it was just me and her for a little bit. But then it was really it was that was really difficult. You know, I didn't really realize at the time because I was young. Yeah. But then I think that and being a christian and just kind of being having a great upbringing and my dad was brilliant as well through you know through my childhood as well mm. he was there for me always you know phoned home and looked after me and everything cuz he moved away to spain when i was at a young age but um yeah he's um he's been brilliant from day one and he's always been there you know everyone makes mistakes but you know i could never love him less that's always true Cool. From one Tom to another, we've got a fantastic creative mind, Tom Dawson. We'd never met before the podcast, but as soon as we did, we connected straight away and it went brilliantly. Here we're talking about Tom's creative journey as an artist and a musician. So, with let's go to music again. Music. Let's, nice. let's run around yeah, this yeah. podcast, man. I'm just Bounce over around. here dancing over there. Free-flowing, <laughs> man. I'm down. Have you been the most creative you've been during this lockdown when you've not been able to do much yeah have you managed to get a lot achieved a lot done i've more so i've written more music in lockdown than i've written prior really yeah because it was what it's made me realize is that i was making excuses for not making music like oh i can go to the pub or Mm. i'll just go out and do this or i'll just watch a bit of telly whereas lockdown just kind of made me go right after a week of doing that you can't go out loses its novelty yeah yeah Mm. You, you can't go out there's nothing else there's literally nothing's open Mm. so you can only stay at home and you can either watch tv or you can be productive Mm. so it's like right just get to it so what's your process then what are you doing for starting yeah to get inspired for a bit of a an idea and then going further question because it's different for every track like with like the hip like the lo-fi stuff Mm. i was i was listening to a load of lo-fi because obviously sitting in your room and just banging techno mm. is fun for a while but like you say it's nice to mix things up so i was listening to loads of lo-fi and then i started picking apart like producing for me is ruined music like every yeah, song i hear i hear that from like, so many producers picking, picking it apart like and then that's only got four layers yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, lo-fi for you <laughs> but yeah so then i started to pick it apart i was like right so there's like three melodies mm. what it starts with one melody and then a second melody comes in to interlock with that one mm. and then a third melody will come in and lock over that mm. and then the drums are all nice and crunchy so you don't need like mega clean samples mm. you can just chop them out of a song that you've heard yeah yeah and literally just pop it straight in if there's little cracks and pops even better because it's lo-fi and you're only going to whack a bloody vinyl crackle underneath yeah, it anyway yeah, yeah. to give it that lo-fi aesthetic so. too clean yeah <laughs> but i i find this is where like it really lets me down with i can't write melody i find it really difficult to write melodies it's not mm. like i can't write melodies but like i find it really difficult to put chords together and there's like certain instruments that i'll avoid because it's just like too complicated to work out right now mm, i want to just mm. get something down and do it like this but for most tracks it starts with a melody if like especially for lo-fi and stuff because everything's so melodic in it mm. so all the all the instrumentation's really carefully crafted and then even to, to an extent the drums are even melodic like all the little pops and clicks yeah yeah you can 
line those up so that they make a little like choppy melody underneath get, the yeah. drums so it's yeah it depends like if i'm doing a house track it's always the kick drum and the bass that i'll start with because mm. they're the two main focuses of a house track or do you have um a genre or anything that really speaks to your soul is it more house or is it more garage or i, I just i love music yeah like just yeah. in general like i'll list sometimes you can come upstairs and catch me listening to a concerto or you'll come up and i'll be blasting phil collins and then is it is that like, constant so, as well yeah just music so just eclectic. follow you like i just don't i don't like sticking to one genre because i get mm, bored mm. i get bored of listening to the same like don't get me wrong love electronic music but some house starts to all sound the same eventually mm, mm. and then you go into all the little sub-genres and then they all start to sound the same so it's like just always looking for just something a bit different like i love a good pop track with a good hook mm. but it's got to be a pop track that's different to every other pop track if okay. that makes sense so like, what w let's go with your writing then have you have you started to experiment have you started to explore well now i'm working a bit closer with lawrence yeah her, who i did that uh, continual adjustment to lost tune with he's an incredible lyricist really and writes all of his own stuff writes poetry and stuff okay. as well so i've been picking his brain he'd be great on here as oh, well mate, we'll get chatting 100 yeah. percent. i'll have to i'll listen to a him. bit more of his stuff because it mm. was yeah he's breathtaking got, he just churns out music like nobody's business really it's insane. Uh, me and him yeah. get on a good vibe then definitely <laughs> definitely Does, is he of the merit of just enjoys creating just enjoys yeah, yeah. releasing like he's the same as me like worked in mm. office jobs and done bits and bobs yeah. and then just loves music has always been there would you say it's a passion project for you or would definitely you, yeah is like, it, would you want it more so though is that in what, terms of would you like it to be a job an occupation music yeah, ideally definitely. or the, the the dream is to pay off my mortgage with my music yeah That's the, is that the dream yeah because then as long as i don't want to be super rich i don't want to yeah. i don't want a yacht it'd be nice yeah don't get me wrong it would be really what about nice scallops while you have to fly somewhere yeah i'd really go for some scallops and some champagne if you open that door to me when i arrived and gave me scallops and champagne yeah. i'd be moving in but um, you just got a, a, a dodgy coffee <laughs> was it dodgy it was all no, right all right one yeah. worse coffee to air but yeah it's definitely a passion project and when i was younger like and i was getting into producing music like my mum and dad bought me my first set of decks for my 18th birthday mm. that was like my big present with, wow. my, with my first macbook and stuff so <laughs> they're really they're supportive they're really supportive of it but i was always like i'm never getting a job i'm gonna be a musician mm. and that is my job mm. and and then over time they were kind of like you need you need a job <laughs> <laughs> you need to you need to you need to pay your rent you need to pay your bills it's like well i can just get more gigs it's like well go on then yeah where do you start getting gigs and stuff like it's like they just did you try for a bit were you yeah. absolutely ramming everybody's was... inbox no because that's just not how i like to approach yeah. things so I, I when it got to the point where i was like i could really do some money Mm. and then it was like yeah I should, I should probably get a job now yeah and like, obviously then i moved out at 19 and then kind of went to uni to do music but then the first year of the course was like recording bands and stuff and mm. i thought i knew it all and was just like i've done this for two years like why am i doing this again did you Not get an ego, ego check little yeah a couple of times <laughs> i got ego checked but then i continued to think that i was better so I was, that's when i kind of dropped out and was like well i'm learning more sat in my room just reading forums and going on youtube than i'm in uni for the mm. stuff that i actually want to do so rather than getting a really well-rounded education on how to work in a studio mm. which i probably should have listened to i was just like i'll just go home and roll a joint and i'll just sit and make music in my room and i'll 
learn better that way and then I got a big reality check and it was like came to actually seriously making music a couple more years down the line and I'm mm. like damn I really should have stayed in that <laughs> really but do you think so though do you think if it had gone that way because you don't seem like you don't strike me as that person that caters to that way facilitates in that way it would I think out of benefited more from the networking side of yeah, being in union so like the people that thanks again tom okay we've got a pole dancing genius here carrie hammersley she told me everything you need to know about pole all the intricacies and i enjoyed the hell out of this episode here we're talking about carrie's first ever session in a pole dancing class you went to your first pole uh, class then at 24? Yeah, I think I was 24. Was that at the Pulse, my, the gym I go to now? No, no, it was in, it was in Summercoats. Oh, okay. Summercoat, Lee Brooks. How did yeah, you, what, what happened, a, a flyer or somebody told you about it? So it was it was in the early days of Facebook because it was like 10 years, 10 and a half years ago. Just um, after MySpace then? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, never, I never did the MySpace thing. Um <laughs> So, yeah, my friend put on Facebook, oh, I'd like to go to pole classes. Mm. And she'd found this one, and I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. Mm. Let's go. And that was it. Really? Yeah. What was much. that experience like, though, being in your first pole class? I mean, it, it was, I didn't really know what to make of it. It was a bit, poles come on a long way in terms mm. of the quality of the teaching and the lessons and stuff. So, like, now we'll have, like, two people per pole hmm. whereas then we'd, there was like five six mean? people two, on a pole like two. sharing a pole not at the same time obviously. okay that's what was yeah. in my head was like, <laughs> there's like, some arithmetic you there. have a go you do a spin <laughs> the next person has a go so you'd end up standing around for a lot of the hmm. time and you, and you just watching what the other person's doing then yeah so it? like you know you get to or do one of these and then you have a go and then the other person has a go and then goes around like that but like i say these days we only have like two people per right pole, so so let's go into that lesson yeah you're there yeah they've given you your first move have you gone in all the gear like not much <laughs> um it's there was not much red readily available for like mm. pole stuff so i would got like these night oh no i ain't even got them they were just like some standard shorts that you'd buy from primark and a vest top did, did you feel comfortable in your body, like, with people being around? Were you happy everyone seeing you? Or before that, were you a little bit shy from being seen, being sporty and... I, I was okay. In your gym Because, um, you know, I, I, I used to do sort of, like, boxer size and bits and bobs of mm. fitness throughout the years. Stuff I'd never really gotten into that much. Mm. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's give it a go. I was more concerned about what what are we going to do? How how does it work? Like, mm. what, what's going to happen? And yeah. I, I was sat there and they were putting these poles up and I was like, and all these people are sat around and it is quite nervous. <laughs> Intimidating. Think, oh, what's going to happen? Uh, it's funny, I've never really thought about that because that was a long time ago. A lot of my friends, particularly female friends that have gone into pole classes, yeah. all reflect on... Lovely words, Carrie. Okay, here we have the young masterful Bo Presley. He's got so much promise in the music industry and I'm really excited to see what happens next for this man. This clip, we're talking about him getting signed by the same manager as Jake Bug. Good on, lad. Let's go in as well. Mm. Are we allowed to talk about it? You've got a manager now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Amazing. Well, it's, it's, it's 
Sort of. Oh, sort oh. of. Um, what fire it here? What nail? <laughs> so it's, what it's, surface am I scratching away at? At the moment, um, I'm working on an EP with uh, Jason Hart. Mm. Um, so he manages Georgie. His local artist. She's brilliant. She's cool, isn't she's she? Really yeah. Um, catching up with some of her stuff. Manages uh, Jake Bug as well. Oh, um, the guy. Yeah. The big one. The big <laughs> That name. Yeah. Do you know what? I've seen him as well in in the maze mm. when he first and he's just a kid yeah just a little tiny kid just yeah, going and yeah. doing his thing and then what did you say was the moment that made him was it jules holland it was uh, pretty much the jules holland gig was was very very big for his career, yeah I'm, I'm fairly certain um, you, are you holding up for your jules holland moment oh then? god yeah yeah i've been watching jules holland since i was little so you know, that, that's a that's a that's a dream opportunity for me like that would be really C- cool can you remember the moment in, and is it quite recent where you thought, oh, music is actually a liable, it might happen for me? Mm. Can you remember when that all started feeling real? I've always wanted to do music, mm. you know, since I was little. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so, so it's, it's always sort of been like, oh, like I can make it happen. Yeah. If I try as hard as I can, like, and I put everything into mm. it. Um, and even then, nothing's guaranteed. You know, yeah, none of yeah. this might not work. Yeah, like, I get none you. Of this might, yeah, that none of this. That works for me, yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, you're yeah. in Ripley now, mate. We <laughs> yeah. speak cavemen here. <laughs> me, otter, man. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. Yeah, so, um, but that's all right. If it doesn't work, that's fine. Have you have you put all your eggs in a basket? Like, have you just like, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to run at it 100 miles an hour. Mm. And there's no other possibility at the minute. I is think... I think so. I think that's good. Um, I think that's the attitude to run at. Yeah. So, so I'm putting everything into into writing and doing mm. all of this, uh, but also consciously thinking of a of a plan to fall back well, on. Mate, I mean, if it does ever go to poo, though, mm. <laughs> you do like it's always easy to slot into things. Yeah. Like life just appears, and you make the best of it, don't you? Mm. But if you put all your energy, time, and concentration on this is what's happening. Mm. I do, but especially for you, man, I think it's going to come through. Yeah, I really do. I really hope so. And, you know, you can pick up little jobs. Mm. Get a van. I've got a van and I'm yeah. getting money for just like doing yeah, random yeah. little jobs on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you just That's the thing. I think, um, you know, so I've been playing bass since I was five or six. Oh, um, that's a, it's a cool instrument, yeah, isn't it? so Sexy. cool. Yeah. <laughs> bass is, is, is my instrument. It's, yeah. it's definitely my forte. I think... Um, Guitar's a lot more fun because you mm. can do loads more with it. Okay. And I've been playing guitar since I was about nine. Um, recently, last year, got uh, my grade eights in both of them. Wow. Um, so that, that uh, up until last year, you know, it was all, the plan was always just to be a session musician. Really? And just play for other people. Had you done much of that? Not really. Not, right. not loads. I'd, I'd played a lot. I'd played with people. I lot, saw you on a video recently playing ukulele for someone. Oh, What's yeah. What's that? Yeah, that what was cool. So uh, that was with um, a rapper, Skywater. He's from Nottingham. Cool. That's um, just such a cool... Was it like just out of nowhere? It, uh, pretty much. Mm. Um, so I, I followed him a while back um, and I've, I've been listening to him for a while because he mm. does some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really different to a lot of what you hear. Nowadays. What's his name again? Skywater. Skywater. Yeah. Um, Two things. Just yeah, put them together. Yeah. See what you got. Boogie Pretty boom. much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he just he just shot me a message. He was like, "Oh, do you want to play some ukulele? I'll send you some melodies." And you go buskin. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it was it was just like. Um, just to be recorded, you right, know, because okay, he cool. um, it was for a song that he was about to release. 
and so it was, it was like promo for that amazing um, to make a video and all that for, for that which was um so it, was, it was really cool bass mm. ukulele <laughs> guitar yeah piano <laughs> A little bit. I've heard people like usually start out on piano because mm. it gives you a good spectrum of chords and yeah. understanding the music. Is that mm. right? I, I I think so. I've only got my voice. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> what do you so play? Sort of this. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. every everything's right there. Like, I'm not trying mm. to say that piano is really simple. Cause yeah, it's not. I'm not Jazz trying to say that at as all, well. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, yeah. It's it's insane. Um, but I suppose on a on a beginner level, yeah, because you've only got to think about one thing mm-hmm. really in terms of rather than plucking a note yeah. and fretting it at the same time mm, and then singing as well time. yeah god <laughs> patting your head yeah. you told me sort of thing yeah that, that took a long time to learn as well how to sing and play thanks again Bo Okay, here we have an enthusiastic young singer-songwriter, Mason Bailey. He burst into the music scene and is making waves on the internet. He had a big break supporting Peter Andre and we're discussing it right here. I'll jump to this as well. So I'm scrolling down, looking at Mason, what he's been up to. One of the videos... You're just chilling about with Peter Andre. <laughs> you know, having a little laugh. Is he's, he's selfieing with you? I so know. I've got Mason here. Yeah, he's gonna, <laughs> that was a terrible Peter Andre. Yeah. But, um, can you, yeah, give me an insight, man. What you, so, you supporting him? Yeah, so basically, I did a, 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 a. At the time, I was doing a talent contest called cool. Teen Star. Like, it's to start a kind of it's it's a uk thing Bit, uh, but it's, britain's it's, got talent style yeah just on a smaller level yeah um but yeah i made it to the grand final of that like Dude. funny i don't know how but <laughs> i know how <laughs> but, you uh, humble bugger. <laughs> but I, made, I made it to the uh, grand final of that and then from that um my dad knew my dad knows someone and she got in contact with me and said do you want to come do this Peter Andre tour. I was like, uh, let me have a little think about that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally two seconds replied, 100%. I tried to act all like calm. Yeah, I'd definitely like to do this. But inside I'm like, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so obviously she got me involved. I went for a meeting with the events team. Um, and then they were like, you're going to do this show, this show, this show. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then obviously went and started being a support act like I sung before he came out and Dude. that was like were you best. backstage with him then you yeah, were just hanging about that was uh where was that I think that was like Great Yarmouth or somewhere in that video and um yeah I see he came into our dressing room uh, like the dressing room I was in at the time and he just casually casually was talking about his day and that and I was like you know what this is a good time just to ask for a video I'm like what's the worst that can happen he says no do you yeah, know what I mean yeah. like I say like going back to like being the whole nervous thing did, but, you, yeah. did you act like dead blasé and cool about it you're like yo Pete come here <laughs> I was just like <laughs> get my phone out mate yeah I was, <laughs> I was just like um is there any chance we could get a video? Because I don't think I'm ever going to get... Because it was the last show with him as well. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to get this opportunity again. So can yeah. I just get a video? And then whack the video. Uh, got the video and then... That's yeah, it. Yeah, it you've got life. that for life, yeah, mate. That's then, a great little <laughs> anyone, treasure. Yeah. And anyone who goes, oh, yeah, 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 you didn't do that. Well, there you go, There's mate. There's <laughs> me, me and Petey boy just hanging out. Literally. <laughs> was he a nice guy? Was uh, he genuine? Of, yeah, the nicest... Like, I'd say fa- most famous guy I've met. Really? Yeah, like he's so down to earth. And what were you performing? Was it again a big show? Bit. It was yeah, pretty big show. A thousand? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was yeah, there was At quite least. a lot of people. Really? Yeah. yeah. And you're comfortable because is it you with a guitar on stage? Uh, these were like backing tracks. 
So, My bad. Yeah. <laughs> need to get a new splitter. <laughs> Chris is on job. <laughs> yeah, this backing is backing tracks. Uh, yeah, this is more backing tracks. Um, just you. Uh, yes, just me. So, you on yeah, stage, backing yeah. tracks, dancing a little bit, or? Oh yeah, I'd say like moving about. Yeah. I, I'd say yeah, I would say dancing. <laughs> and was it just you supporting him, or was there a couple of you? So. Uh, there was me and the silver guy who was supporting, and awesome. then. Um, yeah, and then obviously we just did a little something before he came out, and then Dude, next thing you know, you're, bi- yeah, <laughs> you're building up the job. atmosphere for Peter yeah. Andre. And I think that gave me like the drive as well. Mm. I think after that, I was like, you know what, like seeing what Peter Andre's done and what he's built up, like this is what I want to do. Mm. And it gave me that kind of drive as well, definitely. So, is music everything you're about now? Do you have other avenues, other interests, places where you. Cheers for that, Mason. Okay, now we've got on the back of the bus sessions, Andre Kemp. I love this man, he's a handyman and he's always getting into really unique and random projects to build. Here, we're discussing his crafty side as an artist. Through it, like, yeah, do a cribs on your (laughs) home setup. Virtual cribs, you have to (laughs) take you on an imaginary journey. (laughs) You're cool, dude. (laughs) Go on, send us through it. Um, So... It's it's a single garage, but it's got quite a high roof, which mm-hmm. I like, and it's quite long. Mm. So it's like long for a garage. You couldn't get a car in there because you'd struggle to open the doors. Right, know? yeah. Garages normally, like, I don't know, they're supposed to be built for cars, but unless you're getting out the boot or the sunroof, it's... So you can't fit a car steep. in this garage. You can fit a car in. You just, just but oh, you can you, fit a car in, but you won't open you'll, the you'll doors. You'll be able to leave the car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got some roof yeah, problem. Yeah, I have as well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're... Uh, I want more space, yeah. but at the moment, you know, what I've got um, in there, I've got like a welder, I've got a fly press, I've got a um, new uh, pillar drill, which I love at the moment. So what I'm do they that. do? So it's just a drill that's like floor standing, but it's better than, it's like different to using like a hand drill because you can get like more precise, precise uh, um, fucking, it's more precision. Yeah, yeah. Get more precision. <laughs> the more times you say it, the more I understand mm, it. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit better, a bit better. It's nice to work with. Like literally, as as a kid, were you just fascinated by this, like hand tools, dangerous stuff? (laughs) Turn on a a a chainsaw, and you thought, "That's my bag." Uh, A little bit. It was mainly just the making stuff that I was more interested in, or like I was kind of into like arts and crafts and stuff like that, you know. So it progressed from there. But my dad was an engineer, and when he when we actually lived together, he had a workshop and he would build bikes. Cool. So he is a trials rider. Even now, and he's like, uh, he's in his 70s. So, mm. And he still rides today. And would but, he have you helping make? Uh, I'd like just sit in there and watch. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that sparked an interest. Mm. And then I never really took up, I never really thought about engineering because I was like, oh, I'm creative, I like making things, so I'll go into the arts. Mm. And that's where the film and TV stuff come from. I must admit, from doing the buses and, you know, just simple things like taking out the seats, mm. putting in a stage, seeing the electrics and helping out bits oh, yeah, and bobs, yeah, all yeah. them elements. I, I am looking at everything in a different light now. When I look at, like, how something's been made, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, yeah. how's he pieced that together? And especially with carpentry, actually, maybe that's something in my soul speaking out. But I'm like... How has he actually drilled into that, though? Mm. He must have gone at a certain angle. Yeah, yeah. How's that fit? Mm. I, I want to build some playhouses for when my daughter's around. Oh, yeah. And I keep looking at Pinterest, and it, it's oh, great Pinterest. to get inspiration, isn't it? Amazing, yeah. Got a shed load of pallets out there, and I just keep thinking, I can build a stage, but 
How's about a swing? Yeah, <laughs> anything. exactly. Do it. it. It's so it, it's exciting, isn't it? People seeing just a, a pile of wood stacked up or something, and you can look at it and go, where could we go with that? Mm, What's next? And totally. I, I find it, that is exhilarating, actually. It's like when you come up with a film idea, mm. and it's like, right, let's step one, draw it out, plan it, map it. It's interesting to see it like that. For me, it was when I converted a van into a camper. Oh, come on, mate. So yes. that, that is similar to your bus. Yeah. These buses, sorry, two of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get it right. Get it right. Come on. <laughs> Don't you dare mess about with my old farm bus <laughs> vision. <laughs> no. But no, no it's, similarly to that, uh, me, it was uh, doing the camper. So that was like learning, learning this, learning that, and then... Cool. Uh, what what sort of was it VW? What was it the? It was an LDV Maxxis. Oh, there's one over there. Is there? Did you see it? Yeah, terrible not... vans. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, leave, <don't laughs> they, they are awful vans. <laughs> don't buy an LDV Maxxis. Oh dear, oh, my mate's trying to sell it, so you've just ruined oh, him. No, <laughs> buy buy that one there. Yeah, buy that one. Buy that <laughs> no. one um, yeah, they they definitely aren't very good for waterproofing. I would say. Yeah, well, mine that was a big thing. Mine blew up a few times really yeah what, what do you know what your journey was of yours like do you know what it was before because his was a um a mobile library a mobile library yeah they used to go around with all these books and stuff so i was like how do you return cool. them the books well you just buy them i think yeah so like maybe, maybe bookshop. Yeah, bookshop them no mm. no library i believe so that's can what you buy you told. can buy books at a library too right yeah. Or did he just rent them? It was a like... mobile bookshop then. <laughs> I mean, he told me library, but when you... Library sounds you, better, doesn't you it? You posed that question forward and I was like... Maybe they just come back Holy like shit, every month or something. <laughs> What's that? Maybe they just do a return journey like an ice cream van. Yeah, but I suppose so. Like, it doesn't have to constantly be moving <laughs> no. around the world, does it? It could have been Local. in that location. Yeah, yeah. And it's just... Yeah, that, mobile that's library. better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've sleuthed it. We've figured it out. Mobile library. That's sick, Just because it's on wheels, we're like... Oh my god, what about when it was in Australia? Well, <laughs> how would they have got the books there? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my book's late. You're out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah, I'm guessing a, a similar vehicle. So, did you get it in a, a tip state or what, mm, what was it like? It wasn't great. It needed some work doing, which is why I bought it cheap. So, I bought the van for, I think, 1,125 quid. Okay. Um, so, pretty cheap for a high roof long wheelbase it's how much i've ended up paying for my bloody citroen <laughs> yeah yeah expensive. vans get expensive so. yeah man so yeah i bought it pretty cheap and then uh did a load of work on it and stuff i sold it for like 10 grand so it was pretty wow pretty nice. okay mm, mm, made some profit that's exciting so but but you said it was a ship van so have oh, they shit, taken yeah. on a ship van no it was fine by the time i sold it to them yeah but f when i owned it 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 broke down a few times. Do you, oh, do you know the history of it now? Do you know what it's gone on to do? No, I've got no idea. Yeah. I've got no idea. <laughs> You've not had anybody come with a pitchfork. I don't want to know either. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Sorry, guys. <laughs> but yeah, what, like, did you just rip it all out straight away? Yeah, yeah ripped it all out. Um, did a load of, like, body work on it and stuff like that. Cool. Gave it a full respray. And then kitted it out inside and out. I just, this is not something... In my life, I thought I'd ever be excited about. Honestly, yeah. as you get older, it's weird the mm. little things that excite you. Like yeah. even this hardcore floor. Yeah. 
the whole week before, I was like, I can't believe it. I've got, I wanted this for ages. I'm, I'm going to hardcore the plot. I might even get a go <laughs> on the dumper might, truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might put up some shelves later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, it really does excite me now. And, and especially when it comes to the term of like converting a van. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All the possibilities. And yeah. going on like the Facebook um, sites and stuff, uh, pages. The groups. Groups. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. mate. So much inspiration. I love them. Yeah. My next is a, a double decker. Thanks again, Andre. Okay, another very good friend of the old farm bus here, Matt Turner. In this clip, we discuss his business, who he runs with two other friends, Pinup Media, go check them out, is thriving in these hard times. That's <laughs> on, man. When, when was the last on? Uh, Ooh, was... I'd say it was probably a month before lockdown lockdown. Yeah, easy, wasn't it? Definitely. Yeah. We were, it was summertime because mm. I, it was boiling on here. Oh, I remember. It was vibing. <laughs> we coming I, over, I think I had a, a vest top on. Yeah. yeah. Sweating buckets still. <laughs> S- sunglasses. Yeah. I can remember the shop, mate. It was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> but then everything just collapsed. Yeah. I don't want to be all a mood hoover here. <laughs> and everything went down from there, all south. But have you been alright, mate? Have you been yeah. keeping? Yeah, I've been sound, really. Pinups what pinup media or is it pinup studio what do you pin call up it media pinup media pinup media uh, lockdown was the best thing for pinup media because i was just gonna actually... say did you three just get together and go right yeah <laughs> re-collab lads yeah well we sort of we didn't really know where we were with anything but the fact that we had loads of you know bags of time mm. to ourselves we thought let's you know actually make something of this thing that we've been talking about creating for for years so yeah. um yeah just using the, the time that we had built it up and like made all of the you know the channels and things like that mm. got the the face of it looking good so mm. like on a facebook page instagram got it all set up working together and yeah it's just sort of like exploded now so Indeed. a lot of the um work that we've been doing fast forwarding a little bit mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. what we've been doing pinup media we've done a lot of charity based hey. promotional content to like uh, yeah, shed a light on some of the amazing things that like volunteers, people in the volunteer During the sector. COVID world. Mm. Okay, That's fantastic. Right. How did you end up with those gigs? That's brilliant to hear. Yeah, what happened? It was mainly through <laughs> Ben. So I, th- I think it, um, quite fortunate actually because Ben's mum worked for South Derbyshire CVS. Beautiful. Which She's like going to a... get loads of DMs after this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, she basically hooked us up because they were looking for a media company. They'd been given a government grant to essentially um, create a video on how they've managed during lockdown and, and how they've adapted to the whole COVID situation huh. as a volunteer hub, you know, yeah. based in Shardlow. So we put a bid in and got it. Fantastic. So we were chuffed to bits with that, and then we spent about five days of shooting, just covering all the bases of what they've been essentially doing. So they had a food bank that was set up in a, a church. Wow. And um, we spoke to the the you know the reverend and uh, <laughs> they. It was really cool, actually. The reverend. Is it the three yeah. of you going round and seeing all this as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. and okay. the main it, challenge it's was you, uh, Ben. And Rob. And Rob. Or, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Brilliant. So the three of us, like, the first challenge was, like, trying to make a video and adhering to the whole, like, social distancing mm. thing. It was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> but 
you know, we've just donned all our PPE, sort of like, you know, had plenty of like hand sanitizer. And luckily, the church was enormous mm. that we filmed the video in, so we could easily keep that like sort of distance. But it came out really nicely, and it was incredible. <laughs> Did you look like the Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> full hazmat gear. Yeah, over there, Ben. <laughs> Going to cure the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was really cool, and um, we ended up because their stories were so heartwarming mm. and they were such genuine people mm. and the amount of effort that they'd put in to just help out other people you know literally just speaking to people who run in a food bank they're doing it all off their own back all these volunteers who are just incredible and you know full of love and do you want to give them just... a plug on here where can people find that organization oh it's after cvs so after. just type that into facebook and yeah you'll be able to see all the amazing them. things they're doing yeah yeah did you learn a lot in this then do it. Have you done a documentary or anything similar before? Was this sort no. of your first big mm. meeting people, doing interviews, holding that? Because mm. are you mainly in charge of the film? Yeah. It, and have you got one person taking direction then, which is you? Are you asking the questions? Pretty much. So I'm basically the video guy. Yeah. That, that, that's how it sort of we decided it was going to work. And the it video helps. guy. We all dabble a little bit, yeah. but like as far as it goes. And the video guy, Rob, is really good. He's like a like a producer, he's good at standing there, setting the scene up and being like, this would look good this way sort of thing. So Rob took a bit of a charge of the uh, management yep, of yep. setting it up and then he just told me where to go. <laughs> I put my input in and uh, Ben's like the audio guy. He's, Dude. you know, did an amazing job of, you know, being there, making sure the sound was like... Was that with on. like a, bo a boom pole? No, I no, I sound is that boom pole. <laughs> <Them> boom pole. <laughs> Sounds nice in your ears though. <laughs> Um, no, we didn't use anything like that. We used uh, the lav mics, yes, essentially, course, course. For, the, for the first one. But then we suddenly realised after we'd done the first interviews, like, we're going to have to properly clean these down mm. if, if we want to be, like, properly... Pro profesh. Yeah, professional about it. We didn't, you know, we didn't have time to clean down properly. So Ben had, like, a Zoom recorder. So for the rest of the nice. videos that we did for them, we essentially used, like, a Zoom recorder on the table, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. still sounded good. Like, you can't beat that close mic in. Can of, you really hear the difference yeah, in yeah. the two? But we are very impressed mm. with just, like, having a little recorder on the table. I must say, I'm... I'm envious of you guys. I think I've said that before in the last podcast about you being on stage with your band and watching your vibe, but also just having a team there mm. to support you. Because I've done, a, I think, three documentaries now. When I don't say that in a high-profile term. They're amateur documentaries. I did yeah, one yeah. on a rave, another for ITL, um, which was help, a charity again, helping uh, children deal with loss of yeah. a parent and a close one. Yeah. But I'm basically Basil Fawlty in it. <laughs> so I've got the lights, I've got all my equipment, then I've got to do the sound bit. Yeah. So I'm trying to do that. I've, I've just got a shotgun mic on here and it caught an overall sound. Yeah, I'm with it. And then I'm asking the questions. <laughs> and with that comes so much responsibility. Oh, it's a lot to do. Oh, mate. I am <laughs> really am running around. When I say Basil Fawlty, I'm probably more like Manuel, actually. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, I know what I'm doing. No, it's a hell of a lot. Yeah, it, so you, it definitely helps to have like a bit of a team or even just yeah. like a couple of you just to have that. that I didn't want to say jealous. Thanks again, Matt. Okay, we've got a lovely, cool-headed person here, Ben Mark Smith. He's absolutely loved in the music scene and there's so many reasons to why. In this clip, we're talking about songwriting and if a song is ever truly finished. If I was sensible 
it'd probably be like singles that you'd look to because with with singles it's like you're just promoting one sure, thing sure. and everybody's shooting yeah to that, that one, one thing. thing put an album out. i put an ep out like a while ago you can get a bit lost can't it some of the songs and, and your favorite songs as well your best ones you're like, like everyone's gone to that one yeah god exactly everyone's listened to the first one and a half yeah and yeah. then they've got even if it's a great album like yeah. it's, it happens like um you can put out dark side of the moon or whatever and people will still get bored halfway uh, through uh. and the last half of the album gets like forgotten it's, about it's like so. you with an album you're trying to give somebody a full experience because yeah. as the artist you re- you got to think about the emotions you're giving out the energy yeah. levels I, I got um fat freddy's drop um set list oh. i went to see their um yeah. gig last year at knots uh rock city yeah, yeah what a gig but uh i got the set list and then i couldn't work it out and i was like oh they've put all the bpms next to it all oh, really? and then they yeah so they're, they're really thinking about like how they're taking people on this journey yeah. i just couldn't work it and then i got <laughs> so funny i did it again i went to see them again got to the front got the set list i've got them but i'll show you in the house i've got yeah. them framed <laughs> um but there they just picked their certain chords so they're this and they're all like seven minute songs aren't they but yeah. they're like amg i've never had to think like that before i'm just picking my uh, yeah, poetry yeah. set list but that was quite interesting to me i was like oh it's a journey with an album yeah. it's a full experience that's people just don't seem like they've got time anymore they just want a quick fix it's they want rushing into it. it's just rushing to yeah. be like the next um the next big thing and this mm. so it feels like there's so many artists now because anybody can um anybody can make a facebook page or mm-hmm. soundcloud mm-hmm. or anybody can, as i was talking to you about um amuse the distribution site that's, sure that's free yeah so you can literally anybody can put the music on Spotify pump it out Apple, get, which is which can be a great thing yeah. but then it does get lost in yeah what what do people want the, the artists then panic thinking oh i've got to bring stuff out you've got to think of who you are as an artist what you want yeah saying just before the podcast like my road and journey now has altered quite significantly i'm just you've seen i bring stuff out quite a lot (laughs) but uh i just because i love it and if i can't if i don't have that on the go i don't know what else to do and i I do a project i go and do the film then i get it out and i think right that's that's done now what do i do right i'll get it out move on go but it's also i'm not thinking as a a businessman in that sense because I feel like I've enjoyed my time in that world yeah, yeah. and now it's a passion project in essence. Yeah, and I think those people end up like happier at the end as well mm. and you kind of get more, you get like, that's the way you get genuine, genuine mm. fans like mm. when they can tell you really yeah, love yeah. it. I feel like, um, I may I'm maybe wrong, I don't know, but I, play it on like the festival festival small festival circuit like quite a bit like mm-hmm. festivals like a up my duck and um this one's like something to smile about and and these festivals have kind of a regular turnaround of this the same few musicians yeah. that everyone yeah. love and and they've never like gone massive push 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 and, yeah. but they, they still are trying to like yeah, you know yeah. build an audience and stuff but it's more about like um treating like the fans right and doing the festivals yeah, that they want yeah. to rather than making these whole like 
social media campaigns mm, that mm. reach as many people as possible and putting songs out at the perfect time it's like they they write songs that they truly truly like i, I tell you what it's weird when you watch somebody go from he- hero to zero or the other way around yeah. zero to hero uh, i mean they deserve it but do you know the rival songs Okay, here we are with the last guest. We're going to finish off with a little bit of music now from one of the first guests on the podcast, Nick McCann. What a lad. Nick's brought his guitar in, so I was very excited when that came out of the bag. <laughs> You're always excited when I get it out of the bag. Yeah. So. <laughs> PG, Nick, PG. Now, Jake. Don't change my words. Okay, yeah. Um, so if yeah, I'll give you a, a quick little, little spin of it, trying to figure out. I usually have a loop pedal for it, so this will be interesting. Uh... because I need like tons of layers and stuff okay guys that's your lot thank you so much for being a part of the Old Farm Bus Back of the Bus Sessions podcast I really appreciate every single one of you if you want to be a part of this get in touch I'll lay you on thank you so much big love to you be nice to one another you beautiful set of buggers see you soon